All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Starcade Media Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Episode 189, full swing, full motion. We are so happy to be here with you guys and for you guys to be here with us. Whether you are live streaming, whether you are podcasting, whether you are YouTubing, we want to thank you so much for being here with us. As we do this each and every week, we try to give you guys the most honest, unfiltered, and real content that we give you. I'm not sitting here saying that we're the experts here that you can find on different other channels, but you know what? We like to give you guys honest feedback, honest reactions to what's going on each and every week in the world of sports if we could do the show more often trust me we would but we stick to one day a week and while you're here guys if you guys could go ahead and subscribe to our youtube channel if you've not done that already we've seen a lot of growth in that over the last couple of weeks and we appreciate everybody that's joined alongside us in this time as we continue to grow our platform and we appreciate everyone that's been been with us for a longer period of time i apologize for that i'm over here choking i'm getting emotional just (laughs) thinking about it but Nevertheless, as I always say over and over over again, man, we do this because we enjoy having content discussion with you guys, having debates, having discussion, whatever it is, man, whatever, whatever it is you guys want to talk about, it's across the board, man. Our guy Eddie talks F1. We got the, the World Cup coming up in less than a month, but we talk a lot of football here as well, man, and we want you guys to feel free to bring forth whatever it is you guys want to bring forth in the world of sports, um, but we need to get to some football because that is obviously what we, that's the heart of the discussion here at the Spoken Podcast, and a late October episode as we do each and every year. We um, we came into this this matchup with the Bills, the Chiefs and the Bills, and I was feeling really, really confident about this matchup. Uh, I know that Eddie picked the Bills, Trevor and I picked the Chiefs, and originally, this is how it goes each and every year where we have a calendar, we do our prediction show, and I don't just pick wins and losses as far as the totals. I like to pinpoint certain games. Now, we can obviously discuss how the, 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 the schedule goes as the season progresses because that's the way it looks. It's nuance. Whenever you see a loss down the road in a, on a schedule, you see um, how the seasons go for both teams, and then they meet up, and you say, you know what? I don't feel the same about that, whether it's positively or negatively for the Chiefs. This is a game that from the beginning of the season, I really felt confident the Chiefs were going to win because of the fact that I felt that the Chiefs knew how much this game meant to the Bills and how the Chiefs still felt that they had the number of the Bills and how that game that was historic in the 2021 divisional round, how much that game could ultimately cripple a team like the Bills, no matter what they do in this the, the, the following offseason, that can be something that really breaks a team. And the Bills came into this game, I felt, very, very confident. They felt that they got what they needed to, to finally take down the Chiefs. And I think for both teams, even though this game, I think, meant more to the Bills than the Chiefs, I think both of these teams looked at this game and said, okay, this is the precursor of what we are ultimately, probably inevitably going to see in the playoffs, which is a head-to-head matchup once again. Whether in the divisional round or in the AFC Championship, these two teams know that this is just a, a preliminary matchup of what's to come. Because for the last two playoffs, these teams have faced. Once in the AFC 
Championship once in the divisional round. And you saw at the beginning of this game, it really felt like a, like a, like a feel-out. It really looked and felt as if these teams were trying to see what the other one was trying to put out there first. They were trying, you know, it's like when you see two prolific fighters in the UFC or in boxing, and they're just kind of looking at each other, seeing what, you know, the movements. If Size, I, sizing if, each other up. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. really just sizing each other up. And I felt that the Chiefs had an insanely good game plan defensively to start this game. It was like Trevor kept, kept talking about, a lot of other people were talking about this bend-don't-break mentality that Spags came into this game with, which, by the way, considering how many pieces were missing in this game for the Chiefs on the defensive side, that was probably the only way they could really effectively go against this highly effective, highly efficient, highly skilled Bills offense. Yep. And you saw it from the beginning. The the Bills were driving down the field with really no no problem whatsoever. They're getting a lot in the ground game, which is something they don't do on a normal basis. They get into the red zone, and after I think this was their 11th or 12th play, you saw the mistake happen where Josh Allen tried to hurry a ball over. I think it was McKenzie, if I'm not mistaken. Ball bounces off McKenzie's grill. Chiefs recover the ball. Chiefs get the ball. And that was what Spags was looking for, was just waiting for the mistake, not giving up big plays, not allowing Josh Allen to have an easy day and getting to the red zone, getting to the end zone. He was making him work for everything, and it worked in the Chiefs' uh, favor. And then you feel like, okay, the Chiefs have this game the way they want to because then the Chiefs are doing the same thing. They're driving right down the field with relative ease. The Bills look like they don't really have any count punch to Travis Kelsey. He's wide open on every single play. Patrick Mahomes is hitting him with the ball. The Chiefs are now in the red zone. And then you see what Patrick Mahomes loves to do. It's something we all love when he what he does is when he extends these plays and he holds onto the ball and he's just swirling around. Defenders are missing him left and right. He's doing like his own little version of the Michael Vick experience. And he's throwing a ball in the back of the end zone. You almost think that's always going to be money. It's like Vince Vaughn and Swingers. You're so money, you don't even realize how money you are. That's what it looked like to me. It looked like the rendition of the Buccaneers game. I felt like it was going to be the same thing over and over again. He gives a 50-50 ball to MVS and the rookie cornerback Elam comes down with it. Bad, bad decision in my opinion. I don't think Patrick Mahomes should have put that ball up there. I think you should live to play, live to play another down. Throw take, that in the back of the end zone, whatever the case points. is. I get though. MVS is six foot four. You want to give him a 50-50 ball, but hindsight's twenty twenty. It doesn't look like a good decision in, in, in the grand scheme of things. And what do you know? As we all anticipated, as we all expected, uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes start the game off with back to back turnovers. <laughs> yeah. That was the most unpredictable thing we could in have experienced in that game. Yeah, and 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 throughout the next, I would say. 12 to 15 minutes of play, Spags drew up perfect, dialed up perfect blitz schemes. And it made Josh Allen struggle. So much so that almost going into the first half or the second half with about a minute to go, well, actually it was less than that. It was less than a minute. I think there was only a few seconds left. Yeah. 12 seconds to be exact, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. The Bills had three points. They could not get anything going offensively when it came down to win, you know punching it in. They were moving the ball, but they could not punch it in. And that was all credit to Spags. And as much credit as I want to give Spags for that, because he deserves all the respect and all the credit for that, knowing he's got two rookie corners on both sides going up against Steph Diggs, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox. These, this is a, a plethora of weapons on this Bills side. He still found a way to utilize blitz schemes to make Josh Allen have to think quick. And when you make Josh Allen think quick, more times than not, he's not going to make the right decision. It's when he gets to really scour around and look at the field and really break defenses down and let those guys create open spaces and he creates a ball or he runs on the outside and no one can stop him because he's six foot five, 250 pounds. Yeah. That's not what Spags allowed, and I will give him all the credit in the world. But see, this game came down to four particular plays, and it does start with the Chiefs' offense. Patrick Holmes had two very costly interceptions. 
that played a significant reason as to why the Chiefs lost this game. Had he not thrown that interception to NVS, the Chiefs probably get a field goal, and the game becomes that much more in the Chiefs' favor because their first drive is them scoring, putting that much more onus and pressure on the Bills to have to score afterward. That changes the dynamics of this game. It changes the atmosphere, changes everything, because it was so deflating when he threw that interception in the, in the end zone to MVS. Changed the momentum. And then, obviously, the interception at the end of the game. We all love the idea of Patrick Mahomes having the game in his hands at the end of the game. I When the when the Bills scored the touchdown, you can ask Trevor. Bill scored that touchdown. I didn't freak out. I didn't get pissed off. I wasn't yeah. throwing shit. I was like, you know, we got about a minute and 40 left. Patrick Mahomes has got the ball. Yeah, I like my chances here. And it didn't work. The Leslie Frazier drew up a beautiful defensive scheme that had Patrick Holmes baited because he had Matt Milano, Matt Milano on the free release where he just ran right at Patrick, made him do the double pump and adjust, threw it right to the right to the corner or right to the safety. Congratulations to the Bills. They had a perfect scheme for that play. Mm. Those were two very, very costly plays that cost the Chiefs the game. But the two plays that I, I'm going to address, and I'm going to die on this hill because I talked to my guy Jason Dunn on the Chief Concern postgame show this week with Marcus Dash as well. And I, and I know J.D. and I disagreed on this, but I'm going to stand by this one because I truly believe this is what also cost the Chiefs the game. Is As much as Spags did such a great job early in that game with defensive schemes that were making Josh Allen have to think quick and not allowing the Bills to punch it in the end zone, he washed all that away with two horrendous decisions. Into the first half, it's seven to three Chiefs, and you knew the you knew that by this time the the Bills had, I think had three or four possessions offensively. They knew what Spags was doing, and you could see Josh Allen in shotgun like he is in almost every single drop or every single uh, snap. Yep, yep. He saw the blitz coming. There, there were seven guys in the box. We all knew what they were going to do. They were going to blitz him. And you see one-on-one -on -one Gabe Davis on the right side with fourth-round rookie in his first start, Joshua Williams, who played his ass off in this game. Mm -hmm. Let's give him a lot of credit. I'm not yep. upset with him whatsoever because he was neck-and-neck neck with Gabe Davis throughout that entire game, neck-and-neck neck with Stephon Diggs. He was on their hips. He was even there on this play. But, he, but Spags set Josh Williams up for failure by putting him on an island, not having any safety help, and Gabe Davis didn't blow by him, but... The advantage is always going to be to the star receiver, especially against an inexperienced fourth-round rookie. Mm -hmm. Now, if you got Jalen Ramsey or Sauce Gardner, who's already one of the ten best corners in this league, Should even, I feel even, a lot better about that. Even, but even, even then, even Snead, yeah, one-on-one, -on -one, I'll take exactly. that. Exactly. I'll, I'll feel more comfortable yeah. with that. I don't like it, right. but I feel more comfortable with a guy that is a proven commodity in this league. Josh Williams, to his credit, isn't that yet. He could be. He mm -hmm. looks good, but he isn't that yet. And I felt that Spags really set him up, and quite frankly, he took the momentum out of out of out of the, the stadium. You heard how Arrowhead was rocking, ready to go, and then he blows that. And if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes in 12 seconds getting the Chiefs into field goal range, when Harrison Bucker snatched back his record after being set one week ago with Matt Wright, the momentum stays on the Bills' side going into the second half. And again, again, the offensive execution was what killed the Chiefs ultimately. Yep. They could not execute in the red zone. They didn't get enough points. They only scored 20 points. Yep. And we praised Patrick Mahomes for putting up big points, leading the league in, 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 uh, in, in scoring, even without Tyreek Hill. But as much as we credit him, we have to knock him for these two bad decisions he made in this game that did cost his team. But Spags has to own the fact that he set his defense and his team up for failure by not only doing that once with Joshua Williams, but later in the game when the Chiefs once again have the lead, puts him on an island against an even better wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. I don't know football like Steve Spagnuolo does, 
But I can look at a situation, look at the film and say, yeah, that's not a good decision. And I feel a lot better when I hear other people that know this game much better than I do say the exact same things. Maybe we all see it from a different light. Maybe we all see it from a different perspective. But in my eyes, when you have a game this close, mm -hmm. when the game is this winnable, and your quarterback has thrown some costly interceptions, two very uncharacteristic interceptions, I might add, because going into that game, Patrick only had two interceptions on the season, and he had just as many in this game as he had all season to that point. You have to be able to make better decisions as an offense or as a defensive coordinator. I have been praising this coaching staff all offseason, saying they have the best coaching staff in the league because when things get tight and tense, I have faith in these guys. They'll make the right decisions in the in the clutch, in those cr crucial situations, on those crucial downs. S Steve Spagnuolo did not do it in those two plays and ultimately cost them 14 points. We can sit here and say, well, the Chiefs only gave up 24 points. Factual. And they, they played a much better game than even I expected. I had yeah. the Bills scoring 27 in this game. So they even held they held it loader than I did. But the Chiefs should have only given up 10 points in this game. You can't tell me that the fact they scored 14 of their 24 points on these two plays isn't costly to the, the ultimate detriment of the Chiefs losing this game. Nope. And those decisions were solely on Steve Spagnuolo. Because outside of that, he had a great call, and the Chiefs defense played very well despite that fact. So those are the four plays this game comes down to. It's frustrating, but I have never been quicker to move on from a game because I felt like the Chiefs had this one won. They had an opportunity to win this game multiple times. They didn't do it. It had been one thing. The Bills came in here and humiliated the Chiefs. Yeah. They came in here and won by 21, 28 points. I'm like... God damn, man, the Bills really did. Like last year? The, yeah, well, yeah. that's what I'm saying. But, and even in that game, the Chiefs had opportunities. They just had tip drills. Yeah. Kept putting Dan Sorensen and Ben Neiman out there. The fact of the matter is, this game was very winnable for the Chiefs. And I, I, I genuinely believe that this was an opportunity for the Chiefs to win. They didn't do it. And that's why we're sitting here at 4-2 and two as opposed to 5-1. and one. Yeah, I mean, and plus, uh, uh, for me, I don't, I don't, I understand the blitz. I understand Steve Spag's likes to blitz um in that scenario though our blitzes were, were not getting home all day right um and I, I i i understand taking risks because risks are necessary on defense and in offense um but in that scenario i think playing it safe made more sense to me um because momentum is at a premium points were at a premium at this point because it was the lowest scoring game than everyone expected and and momentum in these kind of games can swing the whole thing, right? right? And that's exactly what happened there in both those in both those touchdowns. You know, when we put them on an island uh, against, uh, um, you know, both those receivers, and they're both that's just a mismatch every time. So I think me, I would maybe bluff the blitz, maybe look like we're taking the blitz, and then zone out, um, and and you know, try to bring another safety over the top for you know um, for help there. <laughs> It sucks, man, because in hindsight, looking back on it, yeah, that, that was definitely costly for us. But if it worked out, we'd be talking about Spags, you know, or, or Joshua Williams being a stud. You know, it's just one of those situations where it's like, it does suck when you come out on the losing end of it, but I, I get it. But the fact that it was a, a first start for this kid, he's inexperienced, he's going against our, our biggest challenger in the Bills, um, you know, elite passing options out there that he's going against, and you're going to put him on the island, that's just not the best – this is not the best idea in my mind. I, and I respect Spags, and I think Spags was in his bag against in this game. He was doing really well. Um, we were playing very, you know, vanilla defense, but it was working because we were letting them eat, you know, between the 20s. But when, it, when we got tight, and that's and it, Josh Allen's shown to struggle with that. When things get tight, um, they get, they're, they're not nearly as creative as the Chiefs are finding ways to get in the end zone. They're, um, so if he's not running it in or scrambling around and making a play in the red zone, 
then they tend to have a little, little, little bit less success because they're. But the fact that they got their running game is what's fr- most frustrating to me defensively. I get, I get Spags trying to have that that blitz and that big pressure in that time. Uh, but the fact that we let Devin Singletary go out there and have almost, what, 90 yards almost against us rushing, which is more than he's had combined in all of his games so far leading into that game, I believe, um, that's that's that can't happen. Yeah. Because Nick Bolton can't allow that. These running, these linebackers in our, our, our defensive line, we can't allow a, an undersized running back who is, I think, a little even smaller than, than Clyde is right around the same size as Clyde, but not nearly as powerful, not a pure runner, is more of a scat back kind of guy. Absolutely, was just running up the gut on us for chunk play after chunk play to open the game. That's what set the tone for me for the Bills. Granted, the game was close, um, and the fact that we couldn't counter that with a running game of our own, we couldn't run the ball at all. That's frustrating, man. We really got to get the. We, we saw what happens with this offense when we get the run game going against the Bucks. Like games like that, that. We got to we got to find ways to get the any kind of consistency with any guy. You know, we don't know who, they keep running, you know, rotating the running backs in and out. We don't know who the guy's going to be. I think in, in this game in particular, I really thought uh, um, uh, Pacheco would have had a chance here just because I thought he was the more angry, pure runner running through guys. I thought he was a good fit and with the speed to break plays, I felt was a, a good opportunity for him in the game plan. But no, we didn't really get any consistent running. Um, Patrick was shaky towards the end. Obviously, that was not fun seeing him throw two picks in this game one of them was a 50 50 ball uh i'd rather throw that ball away and take the points because those like i said points were at a premium in this game because it was a lower scoring game and it was very competitive for defensively surprisingly um so i mean anyway well uh um we missed an extra point right was an extra point yep. we missed yeah so i mean that's well, four. i missed a field goal yeah they oh missed yeah a field goal. so that's six that's a six point swing right there right you know and they, what i mean we lost, lost by four yeah, yeah you know what i mean so if we just take care of the small things and just do our job and sometimes be conservative sometimes. You don't always got to go for the home run play. We don't always got to have this Mahomes magic. It's, it's amazing when it happens, um, but sometimes it's not necessarily needed. Right. You know what I mean? Especially with the way the game was flowing, there wasn't really a need for us to force a ball into the end zone like that. In my mind, throwing it away sometimes is always – it tends to be the better move when, when, the, when, you're, when you're capable of scoring yeah. points, even if that, that play is done and it's fourth down. Take the points there. But I, I, I get it. You live and you die by the sword. That is Patrick Mahomes. So I – I get it. I understand why he did it, and I understand it. It tends to work out a lot more than it doesn't. Um, well, and, and to that point, I want to. I want to also look at the other side of this. Shed some light on the fact that we got to give the Bills a lot of credit. Of too, course, yeah, uh, yeah. because of the it's fact that Josh Allen. If you look at his numbers, he he was insanely effective in this game. He had, had over been every single time he's played us. Yes, he had over three hundred yards a game. Zero, again, uh, over four touchdowns again, or yeah. three touchdowns. I'm sorry. Uh, played very well down the stretch as well. That that game winning drive was insane. The throw to Dawson Knox was incredible. Yeah. I mean, it was right over the fingertips. I forget who the the corner was that that almost had the fingertips on it. And outside Great of throw. outside of Chris Jones getting him down that one play, his jersey was clean. Exactly. So the offensive line play, played very well as well. And to your yeah. point, that this the blitzes could not get home, could not get adequate enough pressure on a consistent basis to really make things uncomfortable for Josh Allen down the stretch. Early in the game, you saw the juice. But like I said, as it went down and down and down, you saw that the Chiefs just could not get that. So I understand why Spags was doing it, but the fact was the the, the Bills had a counter to each and every time the Chiefs found a way to try to get that pressure. And on the defensive side, when you can hold the Chiefs to 20 points at home, mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. saying something. That's it's a magnificent thing to do, and I'll give them a lot of credit. Um, some positives, though, well, and, and just, again, on the Bills side of things, I want to give them credit for that because, like I said, they did what they needed to do to get a victory on the road in a place like this. It was going to be a raucous environment against the team that they aspire to be. Yeah. 
The chief, the frustrating thing is the Chiefs had multiple opportunities to win this game. We broke them all down, and they left a lot of points on the on the field once again, and they gave up points they didn't need to give up. That's why also, as frustrating as it is, it's also very um, comforting in the fact because, again, the Chiefs, the next time if they end up facing the Bills, more than likely will have players they didn't have in this game and will have yeah. a much better opportunity to win that game. But we, we don't need to get that far ahead. I do want to say, though, that Juju Smith-Schuster yeah, once again stepped say, up. That was the bright spot of the game. Man, I think... Really, I really am liking what we're seeing coming from him and coming from the production that he's giving the Chiefs over these last few weeks. Even dating back to the Falc- the uh, the Colts game, even mm-hmm. back to that game, you've seen Juju Smith-Schuster make big plays, yeah. and that is something I'm absolutely loving from what him and what him and Patrick. Mahomes, and, and I felt like this was going to be one of those things where it was going to take a few weeks for Juju to really start to pop in this offense. Mm-hmm. Now I think we're starting to see that guy, and if you can get that out of him, that's going to make things so much more easier for Patrick Mahomes to where he's not going to have to just, okay, where's Travis? Okay, Travis looks like he's open, but I'm, I want a deeper shot. God damn, am I really going to throw this one to McColl again? This hasn't worked all season. No, no now he has two legitimate options in my eyes. Uh, Juju, if I'm not mistaken, is on pace for over 1,000 yards. I think five touchdowns this season now. The yards, the yards after catch were impressive, man. Yeah. So you so. get 1,000 yards and five touchdowns out of Juju this season. That's an absolute well, win. Well, McColl scored again, so that's two more receiving touchdowns for receivers, Yep. Um, which was one of my concerns going into these last couple games. Uh it's been mostly tight ends and, and, and creative ways to getting the ball to Clyde and things like that to get to get scores. I want to see more receiver touchdowns, more throws to receivers getting in the, in the end zone. So McColl's got two on the year. Juju got his first, had his first big blow-up game, which I called, which I was happy about. I'd replace that with the dub if I had a chance. But that was the only bright spot for me really in this game. Um, I, I'm just really frustrated with the, the running back situation here. Um, I love all of our running backs, don't get me wrong, but we got to figure out a way to get some kind of consistency in the running game because it's important. Uh, and the, between the offensive line and the running game has been offensively, the offensive side for me has just been the biggest frustrating thing for me is the inconsistency for both. You know, I mean, I know what this offensive line is capable of, especially run blocking. We've seen it. We've seen them absolutely decimate the Bucks' defensive line running the ball and just absolutely just power owing them to death. And that was fun. It's fun to watch that. And that helps, that helps Pat get the rhythm. That helps the off- offense create, you know, some generate some confidence. Um, when the running game is going, man, that that is the lifeblood of offense in my mind. Right. When you have, you know, you have a running back. That's what was so great about the Chiefs' offense with Kareem Hunt. We know we can just give that dude the ball, and the first guy that ta- that attempts to tackle him is going to miss. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's just fun to have that guy. Um, I don't think Clyde's that, that that guy as far as a pure runner, but just getting the ball in the hands of these guys. They, they are all three good playmakers. They all are really good with the ball in their hands. So just getting them consistency in the running game and the offensive line. And Orlando Brown getting beat by the you know the and Wiley as well getting beat by the speed rush. It's just it's a problem right now. We got to find ways to get these guys acclimated to the speed of these these uh, defensive ends. They're just getting beat consistently. Power rush we're, we're pretty good at defending that the bull rush and things like that and you know certain stunts and twists we've been pretty good as, as far as allowing pressure up the middle. We don't really allow too much, but the edge the speed rush is just killing us. Pat's getting having to move out of the pocket far too much. Um, and it's just been uncomfortable. It just seems very uncomfortable for this offense right now. And 20 points obviously isn't enough to put the Bills away. Um, but, yeah, overall, man, it was a com- good competitive game. Um, Pat did something that's more uncharacteristic than, than than usual. Granted, he's had a couple plays like that. The one of the the, the, the Colts game, he threw a pick in that game as well. So then that's not, not a trend you want to see. I don't really buy into that, that it's a trend because we have a far bigger – uh, uh, sample size of Pat doing the opposite of that in game-winning yeah. situations yeah. for his career so far. So people try to make that into a trend. It's just silly. Um, it's just not fun as a Chiefs fan to see that. Well, and there's it, also there's also this um, 
people are saying this is a legitimate worry too about the Chiefs offense despite the fact they're averaging roughly 30 points per game this season they've only had one offensive touchdown in the fourth quarter this right. season right it's a problem i will i don't it's want to sound like i'm defending it yeah. but in two of these games this season the chiefs have been blowing out they blew out the falcons or the i keep saying the falcons what is going on with that they blew out the cardinals and then they blew out the bucks they didn't need to score touchdowns in those fourth quarters. And in the Colts game, they would have had another touchdown had Travis Kelsey not dropped that ball. So there's three games right now of their six to this point of the season where they could have, where they didn't need to, and there was one they should have had. But yeah. even with that, you're talking about only two touchdowns. So I, I don't like that. I don't like the fact that these defense and, and you see the way defenses are now starting to play a lot of man coverage on the Chiefs, yeah. forcing and creating them to have to have their wide receivers create space and challenging them to go and do that. Mm-hmm. That's something that I think is going to – it's it's going to force the Chiefs' hand to make either a sign or a trade in this this free agent market, which is actually the thing I want to move to uh, from this Chiefs-Bills uh, review, is actually what we're hearing right now in uh, the the stratosphere, rather, of the trade market and the, the free agent market right now in the NFL. I know that the trade de- deadline, I think, is in a week from today, if I'm not mistaken, or it's, it's within a week's time. Right. We've entered a lot of speculation, and honestly, we hear about this every single year when it comes to the Chiefs about them being in the market for this guy, or they're looking into this trade, they're acquiring this, whatever the whatever the case is. We hear that the Chiefs are looking into things at all times. That's what Brett Veach does. He's a he he's a guy that is very much trying to always add talent to this 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 roster, regardless of when it is, whether it's the off season, during the season, whatever it might be. Right. But more times than not, the Chiefs have played it really conservative, and I think that comes from above Brett Veach's head. I think that's above his pay grade. I think that Clark Hunt has been somebody that's been um, a little more conservative in that approach, and I have some thoughts on that in a second. And, you know, when it comes to the Odell Beckham Jr. situation, I feel like this is one of the more slam-dunk opportunities for the Chiefs and one of the most common-sense moves for the Chiefs moving forward in this season because of the fact that Odell Beckham would extend the Chief or add so much talent to this offense, but he would also play a role for the team that I think a guy like Jarek McKinnon played last season. What I mean by that is we all saw all throughout last season, Jarek McKinnon didn't do anything. The regular season, he was non existent. Yep. I think it had a lot to do with him not getting opportunities, but also I think it's because he was learning the playbook a lot more. And we know that the Andy Reid playbook is very detailed, it's very uh, diverse, it's, it's, there's a lot to it. But then you saw in the playoffs how effective and how deadly and how productive McKinnon was once he got those opportunities when Clyde went down with an injury, when Damian Williams wasn't producing, he got hurt. Then you saw McKinnon step in and was an absolute force in the backfield for the Chiefs, both protecting Patrick Mahomes' blind side and the chip and also catching the ball out of the backfield, even running the ball at times. He was very effective as well, and he was a catalyst in the Chiefs getting back and hosting the AFC Championship for a fourth consecutive season. That is what I envision when it comes to Odell Beckham Jr. if the Chiefs ultimately sign him. The reason why that is, is because of the fact that Odell Beckham Jr., although is far more uh, talented and skilled, plays a much more premium position than 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 uh, Jarek McKinnon does at running back, you're going to see the same thing. If Odell Beckham was to come here to Kansas City, let's say he signs before the deadline or early November when he's healthy and ready to go, mm-hmm. within the next few weeks, you're going to see Odell Beckham Jr. be activated. But I don't think he's going to play a big role. I think he's just going to be a decoy at times. He's going to play some snaps here and there, get his body acclimated and ready to go for December. 
that is when you're going to see Odell Beckham become an actual piece to this Chiefs offense, starting to play an actual role. And then when January hits and the Chiefs are in the playoffs, that's when you see Odell Beckham Jr. become basically the heightened or the heightened version of what Jarek McKinnon was for them because he's a more skilled player playing wide receiver. I could see that relationship between Patrick Mahomes, Odell Beckham Jr. really taking shape in late, de- late December, early January. That's why I'm on board with this one because of the fact that last year we heard the same rumors before he signed with the Rams. Yeah. And he was big for the Rams down the but the ty- but, but with Tyree Kill still being here, I felt like that it wouldn't have really worked because there was two dynamic position uh, uh, skill position players in Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. I didn't feel like Odell would really find his way in this offense. Now with Tyreek gone and Juju Smith-Schuster emerging, but Juju's never going to be what Tyreek was. No. I feel that Odell Beckham Jr. has a legitimate shot of becoming an actual legitimate wide receiver too in this offense. With Juju paired together, they're kind of like a, a wide receiver two tandem. With Travis Kelsey still being the bell cow in the receiving game, I think Odell Beckham can make immediate or not immediate impact, but a lasting impact in the playoff run that the Chiefs want to have. What are your thoughts on that that potential, Trevor? Well, I mean, Odell's going to help any team he goes to. I mean, the fact that he's so good off the line, you know, breaking routes, and he's an incredible, always been an incredible elite route runner. Um, he's coming off back to back ACL injuries. So that's always a concern about. I mean, he's a very low, uh, low, low risk kind of signing, cheap. I think he would 100% help this offense. I just, I just, I'm not sure if I buy him coming here though. I, I think, I think Odell. I just don't know if his personality fits here, um, and not, not the fact that he, as far as like a team, I think he would fit this team in this in this offense would be great for him. But I'm sorry, as far as like a Midwest type of, of team you know some, I, he's more of a big market guy he's always been a big market kind of guy in my mind i know he went to cleveland um and that didn't work out so i'm not sure i mean i don't know do you, what do you think is more likely him going to buffalo or or a new york team or uh uh you know somewhere else is, or back to la or the chiefs do you think it's i mean uh, football wise it makes sense to come to, to kansas city or buffalo for yeah. the two top positions or choices of his but well, here's the thing. I'll, I'll answer it like this. There's only two things that are going to attract OBJ, and I don't think he's getting both of them wherever he goes. There's obviously the, the dollar signs and the W's. Location. Those are the two things. that. Well, I don't think location is going to matter this season because mm-hmm. of the fact that I think that it's it's late in the game. I know L.A. worked out perfectly, and obviously that's a location thing, but that team was also bound and ready to play, play into the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I think that obviously attracted him. Von Miller was playing there. So I know people are making the attachment of him going to Buffalo. But here's the thing about Buffalo. Not only can they not pay him good money, but they are two legitimate wide receivers. This is what I was talking about when it came to the Chiefs last season, which is another reason why I think OBJ didn't go there. You saw Robert Woods. I know Robert Woods was a good good receiver. He's been bad this year. He's been horrible this year, but he was good with the Rams. Not great by any means, yeah. but he was good. Odell Beckham ultimately signs there because he knew it was Cooper Cup and some guys, and Robert Wood was a guy. He was a guy. He was good, but he was he was not a legitimate wide receiver. Oh my God, this guy's a legit wide receiver too. Well, Van, good, Van Jefferson was overtaking him in that position. Yeah, like yeah. Van Jefferson's okay, and so OBJ knew if I go there, I'm gonna be a guy there. It's gonna be Cooper Cup and me. He was good down the stretch for them. I think that was the ultimate reason why I went there. Plus the fact that was a, a loaded roster that was bound to go to the Super Bowl. That was a very very good team. Yeah. This season, the Bills cannot pay him, and the Bills are going to have him at best wide receiver three. At best. So their opportunities for OBJ to play an effective role while not getting paid is not going to be there for 
him in Buffalo. Going to New York, sure. The Jets or the Giants, fine. Mm. Daniel Jones can't throw the ball consistently. Even as much as Dable's making, putting uh, lipstick on that pig, he's still an oink oink, dude. Yeah. It's going to come down to Saquon Barkley and what he does in the run game and their defense is how the Giants are going to win. So is it, And they won't pay him either, even though they'll have a ton of cap space. Is he just wanting to go to get money? I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Odell wants to play a legitimate role with a legitimate team. And I'm not trying to sound like a Mr. Rose. I get accused of this all the time about having my rose colored glasses on with the Chiefs. Yeah. But if you really just break it all down, the team that does make the most sense for Odell Beckham is Kansas City. And I'm not the only one saying that. There have been several former players that have played with Odell Beckham Jr., like Victor Cruz just yesterday on uh, First Things First, yeah. said this, or no, he said on Colin Coward on the herd, he said the exact same thing. He goes, if Odell wants to win this year, he needs to go to Kansas City. Yeah, so no. I think that's the best case scenario because he's not getting paid anywhere. No. He's not getting paid anywhere. He's past that. Back-to-back he's ACL made his injuries. money in his career. Yeah. yeah, he's at this point, he's chasing chips, and I, I don't blame him at all. And that's why I felt Buffalo is definitely a great contender for him as well. I don't want him to go there. You know, if he's the receiver three over there, Jesus, that's that's a bad situation for the Chiefs. It's just to add more fuel to the fire for that that rivalry got going on right now. But I would gladly take over. I want Odell here. I'm an Odell fan. I would love to see him here in the Chiefs jersey. That'd be great. Uh, that'd be a nice little momentum boost. And there is not a solidified wide receiver one in this locker room yet. I love Juju. I think he is the true wide receiver one. But he's he's had one really good game, right? MBS has had a couple big games. Right. Um, it's a week by week. McColl scored more touchdowns than any receiver on this team. But he's not the wide receiver one. Right. You know what I mean? So we don't really know who who is who on this roster right now. Kelsey obviously is the number one target, but Kelsey can only do so much. I mean, the dude's already had a four touchdown game for Jesus, you know, for Christ's sake. So um there, there's a lot of there's a lot of unanswered questions in this offense right now for the wide receiver room. There's a lot of a lot of rotating doors and guys in and out. Sky Moore's been getting more snaps, more snaps, and I like that. He's he's I think he's arguably the best receiver on our on our roster at the line of scrimmage as far as, you know, beating press. Beating the cover too, he's incredible at that, and his yeah. speed is so good, and he's really good after the catch as well. I think I think we really need to get him more work, and I think that's been kind of a, a thing in the air uh, around Chiefs Kingdom right now as far as getting Sky more and more involved because I think that kid's got um, he's one of the few guys that's got like dynamic big play ability on this offense, and he's got the speed for it. Um, Juju's great, but he doesn't have the speed. There was there Juju, Juju should have had two touchdowns this past game. That one, he just wasn't fast enough to beat the corners, the DBs, to, to get into the end zone again. Uh, but, yeah, man. I mean, Odell being here, Odell signing here for on the cheap, you know, to be a, an extra piece around December, mid or mid to late December is what he's talking about coming back. That would be a great boost around that time of year. I would definitely take it as a Christmas gift. Um, but I think they're – I am more concerned about signing someone on the defensive end, defensive side. I know, I know we'll probably get to that. But, yeah. Uh, if I'm going to make, if, if the Chiefs are going to make any kind of move for freeing up this space and bringing someone in for you know a few years, making this a, a you know a, a young defensive player in their prime that wants to extend, take an extension here and get out of a bad team, I want that to happen. I think we can figure out the offense is going to be fine. We're like you said, we're first, we're battling for first, second best offense in the league right now with the Bills. Uh, and we haven't even figured out who our true number one receiver is, and Kelsey's out there just doing work, and our running game is in flux. Yeah. All these things that aren't really going our way right now in the offense, and we're still putting them north of 30 every week. I mean, we're going to figure the offense out whether Odell is here or not. That would just be a nice complimentary piece, and maybe possibly keep him from going to the Bills as a signing would be something I wouldn't have a problem with either. But my focus is on the defensive side or an offensive tackle. That's who I would like to see the Chiefs sign. Uh, I'm 100% with you in, in, in the, the approach of how the Chiefs should – 
well, how the Chiefs should approach what they're going to do with, with adding to their roster. I 100% believe they're going to add a piece to the defense some way, somehow. I don't know if it's going to be an underwhelming, low-risk, potentially high-reward type of signing, like a Robert Quinn, potentially. Mm-hmm. We've heard a lot of rumors about that. For me, I would bring Robert on. I just don't know how much of a difference maker at this point of his career he would be. I think the Chiefs would have to give up, at best, a fifth-round pick yeah. for a Robert Quinn. He's 33 years old has one sack. Like, I I don't think that Robert Quinn's going to come here and make this humongous impact like Melvin Ingram did, who still clearly had a ton of juice left in the tank, and he's still doing that with Miami to this point, which is why it's so mysterious he's that been, he yeah, keeps getting these one-year year. deals with teams. It's the weird. I think it's third straight season with a one-year deal. But anyway, um, Robert Quinn, yeah, I, I know that there's potential there. Yeah. Uh, I want to see the Chiefs make a bigger swing, though, than that. Yep. Biggest reason why? They have the draft capital and they can fit these two guys under their current cap structure, which they have roughly I think right under $4 million as it currently stands. They can still move other money around to make even more uh, of cap space for the for whoever they want to fit, which is why I still leave the door open that even if they were to make a defensive signing or defensive trade, they can still go get Odell Beckham Jr. on a low-end contract, prove-it deal, and send a base deal for Odell Beckham. It's very possible they can make that work. Oh yeah, But if it if, in fact, it was you had to choose between the two, either you go get Odell Beckham or you get a big-time impact player on the defensive side, without question. And I'm going to break down why. And I and I, I posted the, this thought and this piece on Twitter and on Facebook yesterday. And for our viewing audience or listening audience that did not see that, I, I really want to go over it real quick and explain my reasonings for a couple guys, in particular one piece. So we obviously know that the Chiefs are going to have the 2023 NFL draft here in Kansas City. Yep. And we know that having a first-round pick is something that, Chiefs owner Clark Hunt very much wants to have, and I understand that. Yeah, but and, and it would it would I think it goes without question. It would take a very special player to be available for the Chiefs to convince Clark Hunt to get that first round pick to go. And in my opinion, Brian Burns could be that special player. Brian Burns is an edge rusher uh, for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I would anticipate that no matter what the Chiefs do before the trade deadline. The draft drafting pass rush is going to be a goal in mind for the Chiefs in 2023, but they also have plenty of cap space to work with this next year, and I anticipate a more aggressive approach in spending this offseason. So Brian Burns will be entering his fifth year of his rookie deal in 2023, which means he's been eligible for a contract extension for a couple of years now. If the Chiefs were to plan on spending money next year, why not spend it on a guy you can get this year when he's still cheap? He can make impact this year, and then you sign him next year. Only 24 years old. He'll be 25 years old, I think, at the end of this year or early next year. Having missed only one game in his career with 29 and a half sacks in 54 career games, and is in the middle of a season in which he will, he's on pace for a career high in sacks with 11, Brian Burns has been a stud since his rookie season is only getting better. Since 2019, Brian Burns only has one fewer sack than Nick Bosa, the exact same sack total as Khalil Mack, and more sacks than Chris Jones, Hassan Reddick, Yannick Ngakwe, DeForest Bucker, uh, Marcus Golden, Harold Lindry, and Carlos Dunlap. Seven of the biggest names and pass rushers in the NFL today. Not even in his full prime yet. The Chiefs' biggest area of need is the same area they've yet to get right since Brett Veach took over in 2018, and that's pass rush. And as good as Brett Veach has done in the draft over the last three years, and although George Karloftis does have promise, you and I both are big on Karloftis here, we have yet to see the pass rush improve. Since 2018, the Chiefs have drafted six defensive linemen. Breland Speaks, Derek Nottie, Colin Saunders, Mike Dana, Joshua Kando, and George Karloftis. That's one rookie with a ton of upside, three solid starter backups, and two failures have come from those six picks. Since 2019, the Chiefs have finished 11th, 
19th and 29th in sacks. This is a growing trend, and unless Karloftis becomes a top-tier pass rusher, which we're all hoping, and the Chiefs find a way to extend Chris Jones, which I do believe is going to happen, the pass rush won't be getting improved anytime soon. We've seen Veach be aggressive in trading for pass rushers all the way back from his first offseason as Chiefs GM when he gave up multiple picks for Frank Clark. Even though Frank Clark hasn't lived up to that trade and the contract, and you guys know I've been the biggest vocalizer of that fact, he did play a pivotal role in the Chiefs winning Super Bowl 54. We cannot debate that. Dude had five sacks in that playoff run. Yep. Through their first 54 games, I want to make a comparison between Frank Clark and Brian Burns. Through their first 54 career games, Frank Clark had 29 and a half sacks with 111 combined tackles, 32 tackles for loss, 55 quarterback hits. Brian Burns has the exact same amount of sacks with 29 and a half, 157 combined tackles, which is roughly 46 more tackles, 32 tackles for loss, the exact same number, but six more quarterback hits with 61. These numbers seem damn near identical until you consider the fact that unlike Brian Burns, Frank Clark has had the extreme advantage of playing next to great defensive players like Chris Jones, Michael Bennett, Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, and Cliff Averill. That's not even mentioning Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman and other awesome lockdown corners that make the pass rush that much easier. Outside of having Hassan Reddick and Mario Addison as teammates for one season each, Brian Burns hasn't had much to rely on. He has been the focal point of the Panthers' defense over the last two to three years and has only excelled under that pressure and expectation. And here's the biggest point in all this. I know I'm making this big old case, and I feel like I'm having my, you know, Pacey, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, uh, Pacey Bear, or what's, what was that movie called, uh, The Courtroom, where he's, like, making this big old uh, grandioso statement. Regardless, I realize that Clark Hunt mm-hmm. shut down Brett Veach from aggressively trying to trade up into the top ten this last draft. Brett Veach talked about it, and Clark Hunt said, hell no. And it's highly unlikely he will let Brett Veach trade away their first pick in 2023. But my entire point is, if somehow Brett Veach convinced Clark Hunt to do so, Brian Burns has got to be at the top of that list, Trev. And I think Brian Burns, I think guys like Jaguars, Jaguars, Josh Allen, those are the two guys that you have. And our guy JD from the Chief Concern podcast said the same thing, that it's got to be Brian Burns and Josh Allen at the top of the Chiefs list and two very possible trade scenarios. The Panthers are in fire sale. They're trying to get whatever they can pick-wise. They just got four. Oh, yeah, the Panthers just got four picks out of a running back. Yeah. You know, so and, and that's that's a whole other story. But then you have the relationship between Doug Peterson and Andy Reid, Jacksonville, Kansas City. If if let's say the Jaguars go on another skid, and they're two and six, two and seven. Why are they holding on to a guy that's not going to sign an extension there? Josh Allen is going to go and get lucrative deal elsewhere. So both of these guys being 24, 25 years old, both are guys that the Chiefs, if they were free agents, would gladly spend money on next year. Why not trade for those guys when you have 12 picks in this next draft? Why not give that stuff up in order to get those guys? For me, Trevor, as I put on Twitter earlier today, I realize that first-round picks are very valuable in this league, league-wide. But first-round picks don't matter to teams the same way across the board. Because right. teams, not every team's going in the same direction. And the Chiefs are a team that continue to excel and ascend. As long as Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback, they're going to be in contention for Super Bowls. So first round picks aren't as pivotal, and the Chiefs believe this too, Trevor. Especially when they're at the end of the very the very end of the first round. Yes, it's because since like 2018, yeah. since 2018, the Chiefs have only taken one guy in the first round. Right. It was the 32nd overall pick, and it was a running back. Mm-hmm. So the Chiefs don't even value running first round picks the same way other teams do. And if a team like the Panthers are in need of picks, and the Chiefs are in need of a pass rusher, why in the world does 
this happened yesterday because of the fact, again, that if you look at the way the Chiefs have used the draft and those two first-round picks they've traded over the last three years in 2019 and in 2021, they got four starters out of those picks. Mm-hmm. I know people dragged the Frank Clark trade, but they also got Colin Saunders out of that with swipping, swapping thirds with the Seahawks, moving from 92 to 84. Right. Then if you look at 2021, you trade that first-round pick, you get Orlando Brown Jr., who has struggled at times but has been a sure starter for this team and answered that call, that call when Eric Fisher tore his Achilles the year previous, and you also got Nick Bolton with the 58th overall pick. That's four starters the team currently has. Maybe they're not as great as people want them to be. I get it. Orlando Brown has been underwhelming to this point. Mm-hmm. Nick Bolton's been an absolute stud. I don't give a damn what anybody says. And Colin Saunders has had, is having his best season to this point of his career. So... I, the way I look at it is that if you know you can get sure things or guys that can help you get to another Super Bowl, yeah. even Clark Hunt has to admit that's more ideal than having the 30th, 31st, or 32nd overall pick in your draft next year that you host. Like, what matters more, Trevor? What matters more, having a late first-round pick in Kansas City next year in front of the millions and millions that watch or saying, hey, the Chiefs just won their second Super Bowl in a four-year span? I have to believe even Clark Hunt would agree with that. So my thing is, Clark Hunt, if it comes down to his decision, I would really hope that Clark would stay out of the way. No offense to him. I appreciate what he's done. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have Andy Reid, and because of that, we wouldn't have Patrick Holmes. We wouldn't have the success we've had over the last five years. Yeah. Point remains. You have to let the people that know football do the things best for your football team. That's why you put these guys in place. And if Clark Hunt is going to get in the way of that, that's a problem for me. So I want to see the Chiefs. If it's my way, the Chiefs trade this 2023 first-round pick for a Brian Burns or a Josh Allen and improve your roster now. Because as I I recall, this team is built to win now. Sure, you'll win for the next 10 years because of Patrick Mahomes, but you can't guarantee anything out out, out of this year. You can't even guarantee anything this year. Mm. So give yourself the best chance to win now while you still can. Yeah, and I mean, and to your point about Clark Hunt going and and being aggressive and getting – uh, uh, Andy Reid, and he—he's the only reason we're you know we're in this position because of his aggressiveness to go get Andy Reid and, and spark the growth and the change in this uh, uh, in this franchise for for the better. We're gonna need to see that same kind of aggression here because it really comes down to your, your you know your will to win. Do you want to win now or do you want to just have a pick at the end of the first uh, round of the draft? I mean, as if as if having a first round pick is gonna represent your city more in some way as uh, more some way than actually hosting the the draft in your city. I mean, the city is going to get recognition at the wazoo regardless right. of us having a first-round pick or not. It's in Kansas City. Not to Every, you. The world's watching us in Kansas City host the draft. And not draft. to interrupt you, but you continue. But, Trevor, what would matter more, right. hosting hosting the draft or yeah. winning the Super Bowl? Or winning now. That's right. what I'm saying. Like, you, imagine you, the prestige of that. You don't got to twist my arm on Clark this, Clark walking up to the stage with the fucking Lombardi. Like, doesn't that yeah. matter more? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I can't get in the mind of other people, but that's just me. No, I mean, I'm right there with you. And, I, <laughs> and I'm of the mind that we did not – Free up this space and pay Kelsey out that money to free up the space for no reason. Right? There's a reason behind this. I, I mean, there's I've never seen Brett Beach do this. Uh, you know, a, a few weeks before the deadline, and just 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 to do it on a whim. That's not. There's a reason behind this. Brett Beach is moving things around for a reason. This roster needs help. Period. As great as we are, and it's still much of I believe in this team to make a run in the postseason. Absolutely. This roster still needs help, and I don't think anyone is – Pat will even tell you himself. He needed his offensive line's help when we were down in that Raiders game. He said, hey, if we're going to win and lose this game, it's up to you guys. So you know, we have, we have the, the humility of our leader that understands that he's going to need help at times too. He can't do everything himself. So I think that's the mentality on this roster. I think everyone knows there's always room for improvement, 
And I think going to get a Brian Burns or a Josh Allen or, you know, uh, maybe some offensive line help, maybe both, if we could figure out a way to move money around and maneuver things. Money's money's funny in this league a lot of times, and Brett Veach has been a swindler at finding ways to get things done. Um, And, 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 you know, getting a Brian Burns in my mind is the perfect move because – especially heading into next season because we will immediately be able to extend him and pay him because I do not think Orlando Brown is going to get the big contract he wanted this out this last offseason. If anything, we tag him again, and Frank Clark's contract will, money will be off the books, so we will immediately be able to sign Brian Burns or Josh Allen to an extension. It's a perfect move for both of those guys to be on this roster in my right mind. Right in the heart of their – like their prime is just starting to it's go. It's a win-win man. for the, not only the Chiefs but the player, the individual who ends up over here if we get one of these guys. I mean, you're on a Super Bowl contender immediately coming from a shitty situation. That you're, I mean, Josh – Josh Allen's situation is nearly as shitty as Brian Burns is. So Brian Burns is a huge win for him coming over here to Kansas City, immediately being in a, in a, in a Super Bowl contender team to add to his legacy. And we can obviously utilize his skill set that we we are a, a, a pass rush needy team right now. Getting sacks is hard to come by. And here's another thing, Trevor, that we have to realize. that people that are out there saying that the Chiefs need to hold on to that first pick, mm-hmm. right? I'm yeah. assuming, first of all, I'm assuming those are the same people that are assuming the Chiefs are going to be in Super Bowl contention this year, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that at, at worst, they'll be at the AFC Championship for the fifth straight year, right? Which means that they'll have, at best, the 29th overall pick, yeah. right? You're not going to find... The next T.J. Watts, I know T.J. Watt went 30th overall, yeah. but that guy's a unicorn. That's an anomaly. You're not going to find the yeah. next Aaron Donald and guys like that. Because I broke this down months ago about the Chiefs drafting and why they needed to go and trade up into the top 10 because you got to go get the best pass rushers when they're available. They're not going to be available more times than not deeper in the first round because those are glorified second-round picks. So if you're of the belief the Chiefs need to keep that first-round pick, mm. but you also think they're going to be an, a- the, an AFC contention or Super Bowl contention, you can't have it both ways. If you're hoping the Chiefs will get that guy in the draft while still contending for Super Bowls, you have to have one or the other. Well, I mean, and for me, the Chiefs are a team that can trade a first-round pick and get a guy that you couldn't get in the first round anyway. You're not going to find a Brian Burns at 29, 30, 31, because he was like 14th overall pick right. in the 20, was that the 27, 2018th pick? 2018. 2018 or 2019. Yeah. 2018, 2019th uh, round or uh, uh, draft. He's been in the league four years. I, four, I think he was the 14th overall pick. You're not going to find that guy. Right, right, and right. even if you even if you try to in this draft, guess what you're going to have to do? Trade up, trade up, yeah. which means you're going to trade picks anyway. But only difference is, Trevor, yeah. you're doing that for an unproven commodity, right? Whereas you would be doing this today for a proven commodity in Brian Burns, right? And let's look at the track. Let's look at the the history in the past decade. How many teams that have like organically grown through the draft have won Super Bowls? It's the it's the aggressive teams that go and they get, get proven guys to add to their roster. Obviously, there's going to be. Guys that are homegrown through the draft that are part of these it's rosters. That win. Man roster. I mean, you yeah, look at the Rams. You look at the you look at the Rams. You look at the Bucks. You look at these teams that have won the Super Bowl. The Chiefs. The Chiefs. It's all guys that we plucked from other teams, other bad teams, or through trade or through something you know, free agency, things like that, that have come and contributed huge through you know to these. You know, Stafford was a guy that was via trade. They brought him over. They, the the Rams immediately won. That has a stack. They, they went and got Von Miller. They yeah. went and got all these. That's been the trend how the NFL has been working lately, and it's obviously paying off. It's 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 accumulating championships. Look at the guys, the Chiefs. <laughs> so. Look at the Chiefs. The guys over the last four years that the Chiefs had playoff success with that did they did not draft. Right. I mean, you're talking about Sammy Watkins, you're talking about Frank Clark, you're talking about Joe Tooney, you're talking about Orlando Brown Jr., you're talking about uh, uh, Melvin Ingram. All I mean, the list. Uh, Ter- Ter- Terrell Suggs even had a little nice little run for the Chiefs. Yeah. Like they're, they're, that's six, seven, eight, nine, and then that, that list continues to grow. Man, mm-hmm. you you got to have those kinds of guys, even more so with the high end guys that are just entering their mid twenties. Mm-hmm. And for me, again, but if even, you have even, the opportunity even Tyreek, to grab them, Tyreek and Kelly. 
Kelsey. Those yeah. guys were in the draft, obviously, but they were later picks. Right. And so you're talking about a team, the Chiefs. It's a perfect scenario for them to make this trade if you really think about it. Mm-hmm. Because you have 12 picks coming up this year. A couple from the compensatory picks of Ryan Poles going to uh, the Bears. Right. A co- even more so if, they, if Eric Bieniemy ends up getting signed finally as a head coach somewhere, you're going to have even more kids. So you're looking at 12 to 13, 14 picks next year. Uh-huh. The Chiefs can sacrifice half that and still have a full draft. And if we know anything about Brett Veach when it comes to how he drafts, value picks is where he hits the most. Yep. It isn't in the first round. We talk, we talk about it all the time. His best picks are mid-round picks. I was going to say, I'd rather not have a first-round pick. <laughs> I mean, think about it. The earliest pick yeah. that, that he's had that, that, that's absolutely flourished is Creed Humphrey and Nick Bolton. And, I mean, Second-round McDuffie, picks. McDuffie, McDuffie is to be seen, too. Yeah, hopefully I mean, that, that, one, that hopefully one, he works out, but we don't sure. know yet. Carl Loftus, we don't know yet. The point right. is, to this point, Legereus Need, fourth-round pick. Creed Humphrey, second round pick. These are not premier guys. Yeah, all of our best players that have been come through the draft have been later picks. Exactly. And I've always been a guy, Trevor, <laughs> and I think you're more on my side than, than you've even said. I want sure things more than what ifs. <clears throat> Yeah. I like draft picks. I like the potential of draft picks. I like, you know, uh, theorizing what this guy is going to do. Because remember, we talked about after the draft, oh, my God, this guy more kid looks promising. Leo Chanel. Oh, my God, I like Darian Kennard a lot. Like, we don't know, though, at the end of the day. Yeah. I know what Brian Burns is. Yeah. I know what Josh Allen is. Yeah. I know what these guys are because they've put in the work for the last three, four years in the NFL. So I want sure things, even if it comes at a more premium price, because it's a bigger price in my eyes to have to go and trade up or try to be effective and aggressive in the draft for guys you don't know will end up becoming anything. I want the guy that is going to give me something I know. Right. Um, let's uh, let's move on. We, we got a couple more segments here, guys. Our guy Eddie Ortiz had a bouncer. He's going to be back in a little bit. But while we wait for him, actually, because I do want to get some thoughts from him. I'm sure he has some questions in the Eddie hour that we want to get to. But I, I actually want to do. Uh, I want to get to uh, some of these matchups this week, Week Seven matchups. Uh, there's actually some really like fun ones that I think could really have upset potential. And in fact, I'm going to pick a couple upsets this week, Trevor. Mm. Um, I do want to start with the Bengals and Falcons. So, coming into the season, I did not have any expectations on the Falcons. I thought Marcus Mariota is just a fill-in guy. Arthur Smith, a good, really good offensive mind, but is he a good coach yet? Man, this team's bought in on him. They're 3-3. Three and three. They just beat the shit out of the Niners, a team that I'm high on. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. Yep. Going into Cincinnati, a team that has been very underachieving so far this season, uh, but looks to be on the up and up. They're 3-1 and one in their last four games. Uh, their defense, like you told me the other day, Trevor, they haven't given up a touchdown in the fourth quarter. No, they haven't given up a, t- a second half second touchdown Second half touchdown. That's they're, they're Adjustments. That goes back to last year too, even even against our playoff game. Yeah. You know, so I think this game's gonna be really close. I think it's gonna be really fun because the Falcons are one of those f- fun teams this season where they just continue to fight. But I am picking the Bengals. Um it's a <clears throat> the minus the, the Bengals are laying six and a half in this one. The over under is forty seven and a half. I could see that game actually being under the forty seven and a half. I think it'd be like a, a 24-21 kind of game because I think the defenses will play a factor in this one because of the fact, like you said, with the Bengals defense playing well. I can see the Falcons coming out looking good, running the ball. Because from what I remember, the Bengals actually have been giving up some ground game as well this season. Yeah. So I can see this being a closer game than we anticipate, but the Bengals clearly have the better quarterback. They're at home. They have the better skill position players. I think they end up winning this game by a field goal, maybe maybe more a little before five points. But I think they keep it. Uh, the the Falcons cover and they do the over under. They stay on the underside of that. What are your thoughts, Trevor? Yeah, the Bengals have been a weird team so yeah. far this year. They I don't really know. I, I think they're finally kind of starting to get their their stride, but they haven't. Nothing's like woed me or impressed me like they did last year. Like Jamar Chase hasn't been that impressive so far this year. T Higgins has been the better receiver so far this year, um, as far as yardage and, and getting a lot touchdowns of off, and off field stuff with Jamar Chase going on right. <clears throat> well, now. And I mean, and I'll give Joe Burrow this the the pass. He had, he 
came in, you know, with the surgery, the appendectomy or whatever, and then, um, you know, being banged up in the offseason, coming in not fully 100%. Um, he's looking a little shaky. Granted, that O-line is kind of finally starting to get it together. He was getting hit way too much to start the season. Um, so he looked a little timid. They can't, they have zero run game. As great as Joe Mixon is, they cannot run block at all. They're terrible. Um but I, I think when it comes to this matchup, like I like I told you with the, the second-half defense and the adjustments of the Bengals' defense, it's arguably the best second-half defense of the year of the, the, of the league this year. Yeah. Um, and the Atlanta Falcons have been a team that covers the spread because they've been good offensively in the second half. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested to see how that dynamic works with who overcomes who. Is it the Bengals' defense, second-half defense, that makes the adjustments and shuts them down? Or is it the – the scoring capabilities uh, uh, and, and the good coaching of the Atlanta uh, Falcons de- offense, are they going to counter that? I, I'm putting my money on the Bengals here. I think they actually win pretty big. Oh, okay. Um, I think they win by 10-plus. Okay. Uh, I think they're a seven-point seven favorite, correct? Six-and-a-half. Six-and-a-half, seven-point favorite. That's according to For a reason, yeah. Um, yeah, depending on what book you're looking at. I think they win by at least a touchdown. Um, <clears throat> I think this is a Jamar Chase game. I think this that secondary of Atlanta is just not good, and they don't get pressure on the quarterback, so Joe Burrow's probably going to have time to make throws. Uh, Jamar is going to be just a, a terrible matchup for those, those corners and those DBs for Atlanta. Um, they've been a uh, you know a, a feisty team. Atlanta has. They've been covering the spread I think for six straight weeks, which is insane, right? Because um, they they're consistently dogs and they always cover the spread. Um, six straight weeks. I, I think this is where that 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 ends. Uh, I'm taking the Bengals here by by ten plus. All right, I like it. Uh, this is a game that is going to I think shock a lot of people. The Lions are going to visit the Cowboys. The mm. Lions are the Cowboys are six and a half point favorites. The mm-hmm. over under is forty nine. So I think Vegas is expecting this to be a, a fireworks type of game because the Lions, is, as we talked about before the season, they're going to be a fun team and they can score with fun. the best of them. Uh, the Cowboys are bringing back because I'm sure everybody that's watched any single show sports related, mm-hmm. they know what's going on with the Cowboys because it's course. on everything. Yep. Dak is making his first start first start since week one when he injured his thumb against the Buccaneers. And there, we know there's been a lot of controversy because Cooper Rush, their backup quarterback for the Cowboys, has been playing decent. He played terribly against the Eagles, in my opinion. Yeah. I know that game looked close at times, but the Eagles were clearly the we better team. We all saw team. that coming. Yeah, we all knew that was a, it was bound to happen. And with the Eagles have made this best secondary in football, best you knew that was going to happen. Yeah, roster is insane. Yeah, so uh, this is this is a fun game because I think everyone is just assuming the Cowboys are going to win. They're four and two at home, got their starting quarterback back. They're thinking, oh, everything's good in the world. You know, the Cowboys have a really good pass rush with Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. I'm picking the Lions in this game. Biggest reason why? To cover the spread or to win? To win. Oh, man. So here's the reason why. I know the Lions defense sucks, but you know what has sucked with Dak Prescott? The Cowboys offense to this point of the season. Now, the Bucks defense is really, really good, but you saw for almost three quarters how bad the Cowboys offense looked in that game at home against the Buccaneers. The first game back in six and a half weeks, coming off a thumb injury to your throwing hand, I can't imagine he's going to come into this game throwing all over the damn field, playing great football. I could be wrong. I'm not anticipating. I think no. it's going to take Dak a couple weeks it's be to a really get himself game, back. Yes, game plan. And the Lions defense against is bad, so maybe the Cowboys could still overcome that regardless. But the Lions offensive line is the best in football this Very season. Very good. And they got healthy again. Yeah. D- Dominic Raiola and they all these other guys back. are back. Like they, they, Swift is back, they, I believe. They I'm look on good, Ross man. Playing. Did I see yeah. Dominic Raiola? 
I don't know. I didn't. I don't know if I just did. It. Maybe I just said that. I, regardless, there. Uh, uh, I think it's at Ragnar. Or, God, what is his the starting center's name? I forget his name. But anyway, they they, they yeah. got healthy. Like I said, I think it's Dominic Raiola. He's their old. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna get destroyed for that one. But the Lions' offensive line's been insanely, insanely good this Jared year. Been DeAndre good. Swift's back. Yeah. Saint Brown's supposed to play. Hawkinson's playing. Hawkinson's playing. Jared. Go- I think they're gonna go in there and outscore the Cowboys. Man, I think this is gonna be one of those like 41 to 35 kind of games. I really think the Lions are going to go in there and put up some points. And they're going to win this game in the run game. Their offensive line is going to protect Jared Goff, allow him to create. Because one thing we know about the Cowboys' defense, their weakness is their secondary. They can get exposed in the secondary. Their pass rush is insane. When yeah. you are going up against a great offensive line, that's going to be an X factor in this game. Well, I don't game. think Micah Parsons is healthy right now. He's, I mean, yeah, I dude, that that hamstring is still messing up. Yeah. He has a hamstring problem, too. Yeah. And so I, I I think Dak, if this, if this was like Dak's third game back, I would pick the Cowboys. But I think they're going to be a little rusty on the offensive side. Their offense plays different with Dak than yeah. they do with Cooper. They play more of a fundamentally sound offense with Cooper because it's more of a basic package. Yeah. But it's also more effective at times. With Dak, they're going to try to make him look like the superstar again. And I think it's going to bite them in the ass. The Lions go in there and upset the Cowboys in Dallas. Man, um... Yeah, I mean the Detroit Lions. You talk about how the the, the Cowboys' offense hasn't looked good with Dak, really, or with Cooper Rush. The offense hasn't been great. The defense has been outstanding. Yeah. Um, but the Detroit Lions are really good at making bad offenses look good. It's true. Uh, so I, that's that's a tough one for me. I, I, it for me it comes down to if the Cowboys can get their running game going because I love I love Pollard. I think he's an absolute dynamic running back in this league. If he gets chances to he makes the first guy miss, he is he can hit a home run at any point of any part of the field. That guy can be gone. Um, I think he's the better running back than Zeke at this point. I think he deserves more touches in the, in the games than Zeke. I know Zeke's the one that's paid, but if they can, the Cowboys can get that running game going and they can run block against, which I I don't see why they wouldn't be able to. If they can control the pace of this game. I think the Cowboys win, but we have seen this this uh, uh, offense of, of the Lions go out there and just put up points, points, points. And Amon Ra is as a solidified stud at this point. I love that kid. Hawkinson is a mismatch for the DBs and the yep. linebackers uh, and safeties. Whoever's gone to guard, he's really good after the catch. He's been a deadly weapon at times. He blew up when Amon Ra was out that week. Um, so um, I think this is going to be a competitive game. I, I do think that the, the Lions cover the spread. I think they're seven-point dogs. Six and a half. Six and a half yeah. point dogs. They were seven at one point, but I, the Lions moved a little bit. Uh, for good reason, because I think everyone knows there. But I think there's a lot of money going on the on the on the the Lions right now. But true football, I think I think the better team wins. I think the better team is the Cowboys. They're at home. The fans are going to be raucous for for Dak. Um, I do think they try to control the clock and try to control the game with a conservative game plan for Dak in his first game back. And if they can get that running game going, I think they control just enough to win. Yeah. But I do, I do think it is a tight game, and I won't be blown away if Detroit goes in there and wins because that's a that's a team that plays for the coach, man. Yeah. They they put it on the you know the film is is what it is. They put up points every week outside of getting shut out shut out last week, and I think that's added motivation to this game. And if I'm not mistaken, this would be Dan Campbell's first road win. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> But well, he, ha- he hasn't won on the road for a reason, I think. <laughs> well, their roster's been atrocious for the last sure. couple of years. But I will say real quick, their center today is Frank Ragnow. I feel like an Ragnow. idiot. Okay, I yeah. said Dominic Riola. That was like Matt Stafford's old center. I feel like an idiot. Yeah, Frank I'm, Ragnow is their, their starting yeah, center. I mean, He's that, insanely that great center. Is, is great. And Jared Goff's, been, re- Jared Goff's been really good this yeah. year outside of last week. He's been His numbers have looked great. Yeah. So I, I got to give it to him. I got to give it to Coach. I got to give it to that offense. They, their weapons. And Swift is a home run waiting to happen at any time, too, in the passing game especially. Um, so they're 
they're loaded with offensive weapons. This could, if this becomes a shootout, I, I think the Lions have the edge. We've been a better offense to put up points quickly, yeah, um, and cover much more ground quickly. They don't need a long drive like the Dallas Cowboys need. They don't. They don't need to matriculate. Um, and I think, I think if it depends on how the game, the, it depends on how the pace of the game goes. If it's a slower game, it's a little lower scoring game. I'm giving it the edge to the Bron- to do the, the Broncos to the the Cowboys. Um, immediately, I think slow game. I think Broncos. Um, so I, I think the Cowboys win because I do think they control the game a little bit more in the trenches. Um, I think Detroit's defense, defense is so bad. They just I, I think that's I can't trust them. Um, but I'm giving the, the 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 Cowboys an edge. I say they win by three. Okay, and then we have the Titans uh, hosting the Colts. We've already seen these two teams play division foes. We saw the Titans. I mean, Derrick Henry went off on this team. I think this Colts team's a different team this time around yeah. than they were. I think that was weak. Titans are coming off the ball. Was bye. that week one, if I'm not mistaken? That when may it, have been week one. Or no, that may have been week three. I forget when it was. It was earlier in the year. Yeah, I can't remember. And the Titans beat the Colts in Indianapolis. Uh, I, I do believe the Colts are a better team. Like I said, they've won three of their last four games. They're gaining momentum. They're getting healthy. Yeah. Uh, they have they have some of the biggest receivers in football. Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Mo Alley Cox. Those guys are all 6'2, 6'3, 6'5, 6'6. Like they're yeah. all humongous targets. I think that's going to pay dividends this time around. The, like I said, the Colts are getting healthy. I think Jonathan Taylor might give it a go. Uh, Naheem Himes might give it a go as well. Jonathan Taylor's playing. Who is? Jonathan Taylor's playing. Jonathan Taylor is playing. Yeah. Okay, that's a huge factor for yeah. them. Uh, as Shaq, uh, Shaq Barrett's, or Shaq Barrett, Shaq, Shaq Leonard is supposed to play. Mm-hmm. Like, they're getting right. And I think the Colts are the better team when healthy. And I think they're going to go in there and upset the Colts. This is one of those weird, like, AFC South things where they'll beat each other in their home home stadiums. I think they go in there winning ugly... Uh, 21 to 17 kind of game, 20 to 16 kind of game, close throughout, ugly. Neither offense does a ton, but the defenses do enough just where they get a key turnover here or there, you know, like a strip sack on Ryan Tannehill, and they get a you know, field goal range, win the game by three, something like that. I am picking the Colts. I know the, the Titans are two and a half point favorites at home. The over under is 42. I'm slamming that under. I think this is a under the under that because both of these offenses do struggle more times than they don't, yeah. but I think both defenses are going to get right. The Titans defense has actually been surprisingly decent this season. Yeah. Considering they lost Landry before the season even started, their best pass rusher. I think that these two teams know each other so damn well. It's gonna be an ugly game, but I got the Colts because I've been I've been confident in them all season. I know they have not been the team I expected them to be. I still anticipate they're gonna win this division, and I think this is gonna be that run where they start to win five, six games in a row. Mike Vrabel coming off a of bye does spook me a little bit though. Yeah. Um a great coach. That's good. The, That's the good guy point. has known what he's done with the with the little amount of talent he's had, he always finds ways to win games. Yeah, and the guy he's beat. He's always every year he beats a really good team, and he's beaten the Chiefs when we we were far outright the better team at times. He finds ways to win games. Um, but I do like the Colts roster better. I do. I think Matt Ryan's been finding his way a little bit in this offense. He's had three game winning drives this season already. As bad as he's been at fumbling the ball and turning it over and throwing picks and getting sacked, he's been the offensive line has been playing good the last couple of weeks. Um, if they can protect Matt Ryan, allow him to make plays to the playmakers downfield, and if Jonathan Taylor can get anything going on the ground, I think the talent is far outweighs the talent of the Titans. Um, and I could definitely see the because the Colts defense has been great all year. It hasn't like it's not like they went anywhere. That Colts that defense has been consistent um, with or without Shaq. So I think um, I think I do think they get after um, Tannehill, and I don't think Tannehill if they can stifle the uh, if they don't allow. You know, Derrick Henry to go get you know ninety to hundred rushing yards and a touchdown. They can slow him down a little bit, meet him in the backfield. That's that's a wrap because that's that's their only offense really at this point. Because Robert Woods has been bad. Um, they're without their rookie receiver. You know, so um, 
Yeah, they're depending on so-so playmakers on that Titans offense. If they get behind, it's a game for me. I don't outside of maybe some crazy defensive plays because um, we all know these kind of games can be like real chippy and weird things can happen. Block punts, block field goals, so weird things like that can happen in these kind of games with these matchups, slower paced teams. It will be a low scoring game, so I would take the under as well. Um, but those are the kind of the games that that the Colts tend to win. Um, so yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the rolling Colts right now. They're they're kind of getting it together. They're getting healthy, and Matt Ryan's playing some decent football the last couple of weeks as of late. Uh, and I think if Jonathan Taylor is out there and he's healthy and he's getting his work his workload, uh, I think they have the edge there. So taking the Colts, I'll say the Colts by two and a half. We're getting reports. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the Niners game in a minute, but we're getting reports that doesn't look like Trent McDuffie's going to go. I, I don't understand why the Chiefs – I just tweeted out, I don't understand why the Chiefs just didn't put him on IR because of the fact that this dude's now going to miss his sixth straight game. Um, I, I don't understand what's going on here. I mean, that, that hamstring, I understand that it, it, he he injured himself. He got a nice little in, uh, hamstring pull. But if it's this bad, man, put him on the IR. Add add to the roster. Like, I, I don't really understand what the Chiefs are doing with this whole date. It feels like the Eric Berry thing all over again where it's day-to-day. And every single week after the after time comes up that he's able to play, I, I don't – So I don't, they ruled him out or is it, he's doubtful? They're saying, well, according to Matt Verderam, he's saying he's hearing that it's not looking like he's going to play other than some reversal of fortune or some shit he said. I forgot yeah. how he put it. But, uh, well, yeah. speaking of IR, Carson Wentz just got put on the IR. Yeah. Uh, and Russell, Russell Wilson, breaking news, has been ruled out. Yeah. I saw that. And it's funny, too, because my guy Taylor Witt from It's Always Sunny and Chiefs Kingdom said it, too. He goes, <laughs> it's funny, like, how the wording is with, with Russell Wilson whenever, like, something comes out, like, whenever there's a, a news article or breaking news about Russell Wilson. It always sounds like he. He is using that platform himself. Like he stole Adam Schefter's uh, Twitter because Adam Schefter tweeted out, and I'll, I'll use it verbatim because <laughs> it's pretty fucking funny. Um, oh God, where is it at? Okay, so yeah, so Adam Schefter tweeted out. He said, "While Russell Wilson wanted to play despite a hamstring injury and did everything he could play, the Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett will hold back the nine-time Pro Bowl quarterback versus the Jets to allow him to heal and prevent a lingering injury." Per sources, Brett Ripien gets the start. Like, doesn't that just sound like Russell Wilson like sent him a draft to put that out there? Despite that, his coach is holding back the nine-time Pro Bowl. He really like, wants to ride. Like, are we really like we really got to get all these details? Just say Russell Wilson's not expected to play due to injury, like you yeah. would any other player. It, it, to me, this is just a proper, nice little tucked-in way of saying Russell Wilson got benched this it's week. It's not God's will, Lance. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. Like, Russell Wilson is clearly not playing good football, and it's yeah. funny how all these injuries continue to pile up when we see him playing into overtime against the Chargers. Like They talk about this. He had this severe hamstring injury. The Chiefs have a 22-year-old uh, potential star cornerback with a hamstring injury that's missed to a month and a half. Keenan Allen for the Chargers has missed almost a month. He full. might not play again this week. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're telling me it was a severe hamstring injury, how in the world did Russell Wilson play into that fourth quarter? Give me a freaking break, man. He He's ham- just been terrible. He has hamstring water. <laughs> quit, quit drinking the CTE water and start drinking some hamstring water. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second because I want to do want to talk about the the Jets and Broncos in a minute. A couple other matchups I do want to discuss first and foremost. So it should be interesting, but it is. Packers are going to the Washington Commanders. Now you just said that Carson Wentz is on the IR, which means Tyler Hennig- Taylor Henneke is going to be starting for the Commanders, which you can make the case could be equally as effective in this one. Yeah. Uh, the Packers are four and a half point favorites on the road. Mm-hmm. The over/under is forty-one and a half. 
which I think that is right at where I would put it, right around 41, 42 points, because neither one of these offenses can score on any consistent yeah, basis I'd bet whatsoever. On it and I tease it down to two and a half. There you go. That's a good call. I don't trust the Packers to cover any spread right now. I'm not, I'm not picking the Packers to cover the spread, but I do think they are, even with their struggles, are like without question the better team in this matchup. Yeah. I think that, I know the Commanders actually had pretty good efficient run defense this yeah, year. They, I, think, I think they're like fifth or sixth, something like that. And, and their defense run, as run a whole has been pretty good. The defense hasn't been they bad. faced a lot of great offenses. but True. And I think I think this is that get right game though for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I think he does throw the ball really well. It's this over one. my dead body kind of game. Yeah, I think Alan Lazard and guys like uh, J- R- Romeo Dobbs they'll both get touchdowns. Yeah. Randall Cobb doesn't look like he's going to be back this year. Uh, I think he's done. I don't know Sammy what the specifics is are. Supposed to be coming back soon. Yeah, but. Well, we'll see about that. But I, I do think that you're going to see Aaron Jones get some passes in the back out of the backfield. Yep. I think that the I think the Packers do win this game. I think it's not it's not going to be some big time like 34 to 21 kind of game. But I do expect the Packers Packers are scoring the mid twenties, and I think the Commanders really struggle because I do think this will be the game the Packers defense finally shows up because this is like a dead in the water kind of game for the Commanders. Taylor Henneke, their backup quarterback, you could say he's good. I like him, he's but good. he is a backup quarterback. Yeah. This is the kind of game for the Packers to go get right, get some takeaways, give Aaron Rodgers some some uh, extra possessions, get in the red zone, get some touchdowns. I think the Packers win this game. Um, I know you said you teased it down to two and a half. They may not cover it, but I still think the Packers win by at least three points. Yeah, that's why I tease it down to and have yeah. to play it safe. Like, yeah. guys got at least one by a field goal. I mean, come on now. Um, but, yeah, this is a game the Packers have to. It's a must-win game. This, if they lose this game, their season is looking very, very grim. So, this is uh, – I mean, you lose back-to-back games to the, the Jets and the Giants. Two games you should have won, especially the Giants one. That was rough to watch. Um uh, they got dominated by the Jets. I'm not even going to lie. Right. Giants game, they should have won. There was no reason to lose that game. They, they, they lost that late in the game. Um, just couldn't get anything going offensively. This is a defense you can feast on in the air. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to go out there and probably throw for two three touchdowns. Um, this is just a simple – I mean, you can't lose this game. I'm, I'm, Heineke is a fun, it was a fun story the last couple of years. Being you know uh, The story, I love the kid, uh, but I don't think he's that great. And going against, I think, this defense – McLaurin is a problem. I mean, that is a guy that can go make big plays against this secondary that's been lackluster as far as Green Bay's defense is in, in, in totality. has been a massive letdown this year with all the talent they have. I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, but I think this is a get-right game for both the Green Bay defense and the Packers offense. they got to find ways to get points on the board. Um, and I think Aaron Rodgers has been talking about leading into this game, just a simple game plan. Just keep it simple. Aaron Rodgers will make the throws. Just don't you don't need to get too crafty and creative with Aaron Rodgers. Just let him go out there and steer the ship. He'll make the throws when needed. They have great talented running backs. That defense is supposed to be an anchor for them, but it has not. So they've really been letting him down. Um, but this is a get right game for this entire. <laughs> it's a must win game for the Packers at this point because I, I have them winning the NFC this year. So that's not looking too good. But yeah, Packers at least by three. There's no real way the Bucks struggle against the Panthers this week, right? I mean, oh, there is. The Buccaneers are 13 point road favorites. Yeah, the over under is 39 That's and a half, sh- which means they believe that neither one of these offenses are going to get off. They're what, least- 14 or 10, at least 10 point favorites against the Steelers last yeah, week, and took that L. <laughs> yeah, I, but I feel like this is this is going to be the most definitive game for the Buccaneers all season. Like, if they struggle to win this game, they yeah. are 100 percent in trouble. Oh, yeah. This is by far the worst team they're going to face all year. The defense isn't bad, though. The Panthers are 1-5 in five 
Sam Darnold, I believe, is going to make the start, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, shit. Like, I know he's coming off IR, so maybe I'm wrong, but I know Sam Darnold is off, is coming around. I'm sure PJ is going to still start. It, it, that's even worse. Yeah. I mean, he's horrible. They have, they're selling away everybody. This team is just in total rebuild. They lost their coach. Like, yeah. if the Bucks don't go in here and win by 20, like, I, I just don't know what else there is to say about this team, man. They got to go in there and make a statement. I'm going to give the Bucks one more ounce of respect, and I'm going to say they win this game and cover. I say they win by 13. Mm. I think the over under is accurate. I think they could win like 27 to 7, 27 to 7, 24 to 7, something like that. You know, where they they're not scoring a ton of points, yeah. but they you can't let the Panthers score points in this game. You got to shut this team down, man. So, I'm going to say I'm going to give the Bucks one last chance to prove to me that they're a team that everyone keeps hyping up saying they're a Super Bowl contender. I never bought it. I said they were going to miss the playoffs this year. So, one last chance for the Bucks to show me they're not a 500 team or below 500 team. If they if they struggle in this game or even find a way to lose this game, throw them in the trash. Yeah, I mean the offensive line has been bad. Obviously, Tom Brady chewing those guys out was a bad look like that. Uh, when, when when you don't kick guys when they're down, you know you got to try to motivate them. That that's one way to motivate people. But the, he was ripping at him like he was they were his children, and it yeah. was a bad look. Um, Tom Brady obviously is going through a whole lot this year outside of football and football wise. It's been a rough one for them, but I do. This is a game they have. They win this game. There's, not, but as far as like the the spread, I don't know, man. They haven't been covering spreads very well this year, and that offense has not been very good, especially with even with the weapons they have. Um, this feels like a Lenny game, though. This this feels like a Leonard Fournette game where he just goes out there and just runs all over them. Uh, granted, that's a that's been a stout defensive line for the Panthers. That we talked about a guy that we would like to have on that roster, um, <clears throat> and that that defense has been pretty solid. Um, and now they're without Christian McCaffrey, though. I just don't see the Panthers being competitive in any way offensively. So I don't. I think this is a game where the Bucks can get up by, you know, get up by 10, maybe 13, 14 points in this coast and maybe allow a late touchdown to where they win by maybe seven. Uh, I say the Bucks win, but I don't know if they cover the spread. Yeah. Uh yeah, for them, I hope you're right. It's a boring-ass game. Uh, fun game coming up this week that I think a lot of people didn't have originally penciled in on their, reg- on their original schedule coming into the season, but the Giants going to the Jaguars. Oh, this yeah. is a fun matchup. I'm looking forward to this one. The yeah. Giants are for real. They're 5-1, yeah. and one and they've beaten legit teams. I don't want to hear anybody try to downplay them. Our lady, Linda Dorsey. Shout-out, Linda. Yeah. Shout-out shout to Linda Dorsey, man. She's been calling our shit out because I doubted the Giants all year. Well, she's going to be uh, mad at me this week. <laughs> I had them at 5-12 and 12 this year. They're already 5-1. and one. So yeah. they're, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think Saquon Barkley being back mm. – Proving to us that he can stay healthy has been an ultimate difference. This defense is playing really my, my guy, Kayvon Thibodeau, I love dearly. Uh, has been balling out, had a big game against the Ravens. Yep. Absolutely just took it to the Ravens. They've been playing well. Like I said, they beat the, they beat the Packers, a massive upset in London, and then go and beat the Ravens. Uh, yeah, the Giants are for real. The, here's the thing. The Giants, are their offense is built on the run game, yep. and the Jaguars have one of the best run defenses in the league. Uh, I think they're only giving up like 89, 90 rushing yards a game. Mm-hmm. The Jaguars, however, though, have had a lot of problems in scoring this season. They've they've really been struggling to put the ball in the end zone, which is why I'm going to still give the Giants the edge in this one. I think that, yes, they're going to make it difficult for Saquon. They're not going to let him just go and run all over the field, but I don't think it's going to matter because I think that the the Giants are going to have enough offensively to counter whatever the Jaguars can find and garner up on their offense as well. I think Trevor Lawrence has really been struggling over these last two, three weeks. The Jaguars are three-point favorites at home, which I don't really understand. I feel like this is a pick-em game. Uh, I don't think that they should have three points on the Giants in this one. The Giants are clearly the better team. Team coming into this one, I understand that the, the the Doug Peterson effect can play a factor in this game. The Jags play better at home than they do on the road naturally. But Brian Dable is just he to me right now. Outside of Robert Sala is the coach of the year, which is ironic because both New York teams. 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Brian Dable. I'm gonna finally pick the Giants this year. I haven't picked them all year. I'm mm. I'm picking the Giants to win this game, and I think that they win. Uh, uh, I think they actually cover the plus three. I think they win by more than three points in this one. I'm gonna pick the Giants on the road and go to six and one and beat the the lowly Jaguars. Because I although I'm, I like the Jags, they're fun. I think they're a year away. I had them at six and eleven this year. I still think that's the record they're gonna end up with because they just I th- I don't think they have enough offensively to get the ball rolling. And I think that the Giants go in there and win a road game. The Giants haven't won a single convincing game this year, though. That's the only thing I'm going to say. It's taken some crazy things to break their way late in games for them to pull off victories. Right. Some crazy trickery plays. As great as Saquon's been, it's taken a lot of things to break their way. They've caught a lot of good luck against really good teams. Um, and a lot of, honestly, gifted wins, if I'm being honest. Lamar gifted them that win. Uh, uh, the Packers 100% gifted them that win. I, I, I don't think they went out there and just straight up just beat the brakes off someone. Yeah, we've seen We've already seen... The Jaguars do that a couple to a couple yeah. teams. They they goose egged the Colts. You know what I mean? They they've won they've they've won very impressive games. They were up 14-0 on the Eagles and they blew that game. They should have won that game. They had the all momentum and then Trevor Lawrence turned the ball over a few times and they blew that game. They were up 14-0 on the Eagles. That's an impressive thing in itself. I think this is a Doug Peterson game. Oh, I think okay. they've lost. I think they've lost two straight games. They're coming. They're coming home. This is a very talented roster, more talented than the Giants. Um, and I think Trevor Lawrence is the better quarterback. I do, but he's been struggling as of late. But I think this is a game where you see you see Doug Peterson's fingerprints all over this game. I think there's going to be some fun trickery. Um, I think he's the better coach than Dayball is. Uh, he's proven that. Um, <clears throat> I think this defense really, really gives the Giants a tough time defensively. I think uh, the secondary is a little shaky, but I think they're going to get after uh, Danny Dimes. I think it's going to be a struggle game for him. Uh, he's still been slightly banged up. He should be okay. But Saquon's been going off every single week. I think there's a come, you know, a falling back to earth kind of game for Saquon. I think they find a way to stifle that offense because they have no passing game. Wandell Robinson, I believe, is the guy's name, uh, is the new rookie receiver who had a touchdown last week. I don't expect him to continue that. I think this is a kind of a fall back to earth game. And if it's a tight game, I expect the Jags to win. Um, there's too much talent on this Jags team to be at home. And I think the three point favorite at home, I think, is appropriate. Uh, and I think they win by at least three points. So our guy, uh, Nick Wright, <laughs> I, lo- I love what Nick's been doing lately, man. It's been great. Uh, he quote tweeted Adam Schefter's tweet about Russell Wilson. Oh, boy. And he said, well, he said in a factor. He said, line moved from Denver, Denver minus one to New York Jets minus one on this news. Oh, give me that. So Vegas is saying that Mr. Limited Damn. is worth is worth only two more points than Brett Ripien. Hey, that's facts, dude. <laughs> Damn. So there's only a one point move or two point move. I mean, they're only favored. Yeah, Russell Wilson and Brett Ripien. Yeah, they're only that's favored by one to begin amazing. with them out there. They're only favored by one. So, so it went from a pick'em game that slightly favors the Broncos to at immediate, home. Immediate, at home. Immediate dogs. To immediate, yeah, to pick them yeah. dogs. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Zach Wilson's going to be the best quarterback in this matchup. Think about it. And he would have been probably either way. Um, Matt, watch, watch the Broncos win that game. Uh, with I'm Brett picking Ripien. <laughs> I'm, picking the, I'm picking the Broncos. Let's uh, let's uh, let's. I, I gotta, I, I, okay, you know what? Let's flip these. Cause I was gonna go Browns Ravens uh, first. Let's go. Let's go to the Broncos Jets. Yep. So you just said you're picking the Jets or the Broncos. Yep. Okay, give me your reason why because I'm very interested in hearing this. Um, I, 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 this is a hot take for the week. I think um, Ripon's gonna outplay Zach Wilson in this game. Um, I Ooh, think, that's saying something. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I mean, I think. Look, man, Russ has been bad. Yes, yes. And if, if Ripon could go out there and rip it, <laughs> if he can go out there and rip it. Uh, I think they can. He can go get those ball to the receivers. I think. It, I think this is a game where um, 
Jerry Judy kind of gets going like in the slot and and makes some big chunk plays. I think I think there's gonna I think he's gonna get the ball out. The running game might struggle because that Jets defensive line has been really good so far against the run. Um, they got some studs up there, but Sauce Gardner is I think he's gonna lock down uh, Cortland Sutton. I think he's gonna be all over Sutton. I think this is a game where Jerry Judy uh, uh, and a tight end maybe can score for them. Um, and dude, this defense of this defense of the Broncos has been so good. I don't think they've allowed anybody to score more than 17 points against them. Are there? I think they're only allowing. Well, the 17, Raiders scored 32. I think they're only allowing 17 yeah. points a game. Yeah, oh, 16, yeah, 16 yeah. 17. And they've been I playing not, some pretty bad offenses. And I do not trust Zach Wilson to go out there <clears throat> and light up that defense in any way. Nor do I expect that running game to really get going. I think that's the the the, the lifeblood for that Jets offense is the running game, and it's been really good <clears throat> with Brees Hall. Um, who's been <clears throat> bursting on the scene as a rookie is incredible, especially in the passing game as well. Um, I just I just think that this is going to be a slow paced game, which I fully expect because every single Broncos game has been a slow pace and, uh, and they take the un- take the under on these games because every single week they're on the, on the under outside of that Raiders game, <clears throat> which was I think still on the under uh, outside of the outside of the Raiders oh, taking or winning their over. Um, I just think that this is going to be a slow paced defensive game. I'm giving the edge to the Broncos uh, because because of the. Um, the unknown of what Rippon is going to be able to do in that offense. Um, granted, Nathaniel Hackett going at Sala, that's a mismatch in the coaching there, and situational football can definitely come into to effect here in this in this in deciding in this game. But I trust the defense, the elite defense of this Broncos team. They've been incredible. They're getting guys back. Sertan's been playing great. They got Simmons back. Um, so I yeah, man, I just I just like this defense to win this game for the Broncos, and they that's continue to do what they do. And Zach Wilson is prone to make a lot of mistakes. He has not looked great this year at all. He had one good drive, I think, against uh, the was it who was it that they they beat the was it the Packers? I think he had one decent. I don't know. He had like one. Brees Hall. No, I'm talking about Zach Wilson. He had oh, one. No, like Zach one, Wilson only had 110 yards last week. <clears throat> no, not well, yeah, it wasn't last week. I think it was the Browns. I oh, no, not the Browns. That was a uh, Flacco. Either way, Zach Wilson has been impressive at all this year. Their defense has been good. Um, but I don't expect Zach Wilson to really in that offense to get anything going, and that's the only way I think they win. You remember, uh, unless Rippon absolutely shits the bed, I think they, the Broncos go out there and play a good defensive game. Do you, you remember when uh, Charles used to do the hit the button thing? I still have that video. Hit the button, guarantee. Yeah, I'm guarantee. I'm hitting the button. The okay. Jets are winning this game. Man, right. and here here's the biggest reason why. Because you're right. Everything you said was 100 factual. I'm glad the Broncos are dogs. I'm Zach think, Zach yeah. Wilson has not been good this season. In fact, he's been pretty bad. Um. The Broncos' defense is awesome, I, I, as to be expected. They have so much talent on that defense. They should be that good. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, man, is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that Zach Wilson's bad. It doesn't matter the Broncos' defense is good because I'm this Jets team is one of those teams that it just something clicks. Robert Sala got got these guys' attention, and they have a team that travels well. Look at what just happened last week against the Packers. They haven't been very the, good this year. They've, as of the last couple of weeks, yeah, but they, I mean, they, they won a miracle game against the Browns. Some, that's why I said something clicked. Something happened over the last three, two to three weeks. They go into Green Bay and whooped. That was that, the most impressive they, win. They just beat them. They yeah. whooped the Packers. Yeah. And that Packers team is much better than the Broncos as a collective. Much better. Mm-hmm. And they Not even close whooped, defensively. but Whooped, whooped them. Yeah. Soundly, with Zach Wilson having only 110 more passing yards they than you ran and I, all over them. Then you and I, Brees Hall went off. Now you're Packers right. Packers rush defense the, is horrible. Yes, R- Packers rush defense is bad. Yeah, but the Packers, if I'm not mistaken, were like seven point favorites in that game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone was expecting the Packers Matchups to win that game, fights, though, and man. they lost by like what 17 points. Mm. I'm looking at this matchup. 
I was going to pick the Jets regardless if Russell Wilson was playing or not. Because I think what's going to come down to is Quinnen Williams and Sauce Gardner dominating the Broncos' offense. Yeah. Because like I said, their defense travels. And I just don't see any reason or justification to pick the Broncos in this game. I get their defense is good, but when you have two really good defenses on each side, I'm going with the team with momentum. And the Broncos have no momentum. Coming into Denver against elite defense. Yes, I'm picking the Jets. I can see multiple pick six. I can see, yeah, yeah, I, I can see that too. But I think that I think this game is going to be like a 22 total point game. I can see it being like 13 to 9. I mean, how are the Jets going to score points? How are the Broncos going to score points? I would trust them to score points in Denver uh, as far as getting the running game going and getting Jerry. They're averaging like 15 a game. Yeah, but I mean. With Russell Wilson, who's better than Brett Ripley. Let's be real. He's better than Brett Ripley. And as much as we want to kill Russ, yeah, he's better than Brett Ripley. What, what good defense has the Jets beat? They haven't played any like legitimate, like good defenses that they have beat. Well, I think okay, that's Browns true. Browns defense has been trash. The they had it took a miracle for them to win that the, game. But the Broncos beat the Niners only because Jimmy Garoppolo stepped out of the back of the end zone. Yeah, that doesn't those, happen. They've, they've been winning outside of that Colts game, which they should have won like fifteen times. They tend to win those kind of games. They've won right. those kind of games outside. The Raiders are the only team that really put up points because they they just obviously have it. They have a Devontae Adams who went out there and lit them up, and, yeah. and they got ran all over by Josh Jacobs. I just, I'm picking the Jets, man. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I like, I like not, the Jets. I don't in think this that's one. crazy. Yeah, they have the better head coach. Yeah. They, I, I think they have the better quarterback in this By matchup. Far the better coach. They have, they, be, they have the better starting running back. They have, an, they have a defense that's playing just as good as the Broncos they have are right backs. now. They have a better offensive line. They have the better offensive line. Yeah. I'm just saying, man. Like I, th- I think the Jets are the better team going into this matchup, and I'm going to pick the Jets going into this game. They have all the momentum. The yeah. Broncos are reeling, right? Or not reeling? They're struggling. They're clunked out. Man. I just, I like. I, granted, Russ being out is is a, is a mystery because we don't know what Rippon's going to be capable of. Um, but teams coming in with momentum, coming off a high, you know, big time win, and then a team coming off a, a demoralizing loss and an OT. I kind of like the resiliency yeah. of the team to bounce back, especially at home. With that raucous crowd that the Denver fans are always there, and that's a tough place to go play. I think it's going to be too big for Zach Wilson. Okay. I do. And then we have the Browns and Ravens. The Browns are visiting the Ravens. The Ravens are currently six-and-a-half-point favorites at home with a 45.5 over-under. The Ravens really pissed me off. I was so big on this team coming into this season. Uh, I was talking about Scorcher, Lamar. For the first like game and a half, it looked like that was going to absolutely be the case. It looked like he was going to run away with the MVP. All these things were looking great for the Ravens, and then they've just become this absolute choke artist of a, of a team. I don't understand how they've lost. Like every team has like one of those kinds of losses. Where like, how the fuck did we just give up a three touchdown lead? Like every every team has those. Yeah, they've had those for like a month straight. And I don't understand how they do this. It's so impressive. Lamar shits down his leg against the Giants on back-to-back inter- or turnovers. Yeah, first three weeks he's MVP, and then the last three weeks is like he's been horrible. Like, what are you doing? I don't man? know what yeah. is going on. The Bills are up 17 points at half at home, and they lose. Like you're up 21 points against the Dolphins on the road and lose. Like yeah. the Giants game, they're up multiple scores that and was, lose. That was the worst one. I man. I'm still going to pick the Ravens in this game, but they are not covering six and a half. No. They are not covering six and a half. They are not going to beat the Browns by multiple scores. Because the Browns are also one of those teams, you were talking about the Broncos, how they're like pissed off. and The Browns have had some frustrating losses coming into this game. Miles Garrett's now healthy. You know, their defense, who's not been good, is going to get better because of the skill position players they have. they got to get better. They've been bad. I think I think the Browns are going to make this a tough one for the Ravens, and it's mostly because of the Ravens shooting themselves in the foot. But I think Justin Tucker is going to have like a four field goal game where he just he kills it in this game. I think that he plays big. He had a frustrating miss. I didn't know he could miss. He missed the, a field yeah. goal against the Giants. I, I think the Ravens win this game. It's going to be like a like. 
17 to 14, mm. uh, 20 to 16 kind of game. It's going to be low scoring. I know they have it right now at a 45 and a half. I don't think it's just hard for me because these teams know each other so damn well, and both quarterbacks are struggling. Mark it's, Andrews is banged up too. Yeah, exactly. He two practices and outside week. of Rashad Bateman. There's, he's really his only legitimate. Lamar's really only legitimate receiving well, option. Been out J.K. Too. Dobbins has gone on arthroscopic surgery. Four to six weeks. Yeah, like I just think the Ravens' offense is going to struggle in this one, man. I think the Browns know them so well, and the Browns can't score points on a consistent basis either. Yeah, I, I think the Ravens were in a close, ugly, classic AFC North type of game. Yeah, I think the the Ravens' defense has been playing better as of late. But the offense is just, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on. They can't keep a lead for one, and then they've been struggling to score points as of late. Um, so, it, it, yeah, this one this one definitely seems like, you know, these two teams know each other well. It could be a, a – I can see where a scenario where it is kind of a shootout uh, because I do there's, – there's, there's good weapons on both sides. Um, I don't know. I, I think Bateman was trending on playing, or at least on coming back. I don't know if he's back yet, but he might not play. So a bang bet Mark Andrews, I still think, can go out there and shred that that secondary of the Browns. I think he can go have a big game still. If he's out there, he's out there. That guy's insane. Um, that connection's been so good this year. Um, but I think Lamar is probably going to have to run a lot. I mean, I know J.K. Dobbins is out, but um, Kenyon Drake has been really playing really well for them. Um, and the rush defense of the, the Browns is arguably the worst in the league so far this year. They've been allowing so much just just getting shredded up the middle and just allowing so many yards after after contact and yards up front period before someone's even getting touched they've been they've been terrible um uh, that's the game that austin eckler went off against them they just they let running backs just eat so this could be a game where in that that combination against lamar who obviously is a running back in himself could just they can just run all over this this browns defense i think and i think that i do think the ravens win but i do think it will be competitive because yeah. the ravens have shown that they will let anyone hang around. Period. Doesn't matter who they're playing. They will let you hang around. They don't just, which is surprising because they used to like you know the past couple of years they've been, they've been the team that will blow you out and they'll and Lamar will just pack it on you. Uh, this this has been a strange year for them so far. The coaching has been suspect at times, um, and Lamar is just like I said. The first three weeks of the season, he was absolutely like an MVP candidate, one hundred percent, looking like the lead at some points, uh, putting the team on his back. Numbers wise, especially, but now he's been kind of crumbling a little bit, you know, crumbling to, under the pressure. So, Ravens win, but I, I just, I'm expecting kind of an ugly game, though, to be honest. Yep, I, I agree with that completely. Uh, and we have a couple more that I want to move on to the matchup that we all have been waiting to talk about. Uh, well, I want to talk about. <laughs> so, I, t- I told Trevor that I have a couple upsets this week, and I was so tempted. To pick the, uh, the 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 Steelers over the Dolphins this week because of that big win they had against the Buccaneers. Yep. I'm not going to do it though because I think the Dolphins are a team that I was high on to start the season, and now that they're healthy again, two attack of Iloa is going to play in this game. They're at home. Uh, they've lost what two of their last three games, if I'm not mistaken. This is a team that wants to bounce back and bounce back in a big way. The Steelers, I will give them credit for what they did. But I felt that the, that game had a lot more to do with the Buccaneers and the actual Steelers and, and what team they really are. I, I was 100% wrong on the Steelers to mm. this point. I was big on them. I had them as a 10-win team. TJ Watt goes down. Mika Fitzpatrick goes down. Their team is a win and lose by their defense type of team because they just cannot score points. I'm going to pick the Dolphins in this one. They, they have a, According to uh, Yahoo, they're a 7.5-point favorite. I'm going to take them 
minus seven and a half. I think they're going to win by more than a touchdown. I think that you're going to see the Dolphins get right offensively. Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek. I think Tyreek's going to play. Yeah. Um, I think they're both going to have massive games because the Steelers' secondary is just not good. Hello, Mr. Eddie Ortiz. Good All to see right. you again, bro. Um, I think I think I think the Dolphins are going to win this game, and I think they're going to win by t- double digits. The matchup is just in their favor. That the Steelers just do not have the secondary right now to oh. really compete with anything that they have. It's kind of a weird Poor situation as a sidebar. It's kind of a weird situation going on with the Dolphins. They're talking about trading Gasecki. I don't really get that at all. Yeah. I feel like he's been a really good tight end. So I say, damn, his grade has been that bad. His grade well, skedaddle's been really that bad. Is your uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, just sorry. To What's up, dude? Bring it back. You're uh, good. No, but uh, with the Dolphins and the Gasecki thing, I, I was reading somewhere uh, that they don't like his uh, blocking game, that it's, oh. pretty, that it's lacking. He's so, still a productive receiving tight end, though. That's a no, thing. No, I, I get it, but I think they – that the style of uh, the head coach yeah. is more of a blocking tight end because of what he had in San Francisco with the uh, uh, fuck, what's his name? San Francisco. Mike McDaniel. Oh, oh, oh no, 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 Kittle. Kyle Shanahan. George Kittle. Kittle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the tight end, George Kittle. So I think he wants a kind of like a George Kittle. Therefore, uh, that's why I think uh, he's okay. pushing Gasecki okay. out. Yeah, let's go get a George Kittle because those are just sitting around all the time. Yeah. Well, you can find one on Just the IR. One, you, know? <laughs> you can find one on the IR. Um, <laughs> Well, real quick before we yeah. get to uh, your oh, go, 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 who you have winning this game, Jerry? I have I have Miami winning big in this game. Yeah. Like, as Nick Wright said on his uh, "What's Right with Nick Wright," uh, shout out Nick Wright for this one. But yeah, he even he said it perfectly. The fact that the Steelers won last week is the only reason this is only a seven point cover yeah. or seven point. They're a seven point favorite. Dolphins are significantly better. Right. This should this should be a ten point spread. Yeah. They should be you know ten point favorites at least. I, I honestly they, didn't even hear him say that. That's good to know yeah. that I'm on his side yeah, on that one. No, it's coming sure. back this game. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, yeah. I think so. Tyreek absolutely just goes nuclear in this game as he has most weeks so far. He's been on, he's on yeah, peace leading the league. He's like one seventy. He's on two thousand receiving yards. Yeah, yeah. Last week he had like one seventy. Yeah. I think balling out of his mind. I expect and Waddle actually might miss this game. Oh, okay. Model Waddle might be out. But I don't care. Tyreek is going to go out there and just destroy the secondary. I don't care if it's a five yard just dump off to him. The guys is going to. There's no matchup out there for yeah. him. Even if they double him, you get him in space. We all know what Tyreek does. He does what he does. Um, and not, the running game has actually been getting going pretty good for the the Dolphins as well. So if they can get you know most certain guys like that going, it's going to be a long day for the Steelers defense. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm picking I'm picking the Dolphins to win big. Same. And I want to get your thoughts, Eddie, because we know we know the news uh, came out that Russell Wilson won't be playing this game. Yeah. Uh, it's only a two point swing. Uh, it was a pick them either way. <laughs> it now, literally doesn't change yeah. my mind. Well, now right? according to uh, Yahoo, the Jets are now one and a half point favorites, not just one point favorites. They're one and a half. Yeah. So they're trying to bait you on that, trying to put some money on the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who do you have winning this game? Eddie? And and I, and I think the Jets are coming in hot into this game. I think the the Broncos are are a hot mess. Yeah. I think even even then having yeah uh, offensively uh, defensively. They're there, I guess. They're elite defensively, dude. They've only allowed 17 points a game. But they really haven't played any real offense other than uh, the Chargers. I think that's the only true offense that they faced. Right. And they did keep him at like 17 points. I still think the Raiders' offense is really good. And I think think the Colts' offense was struggling at the time they played them. But the Colts have been, I mean. Yeah, the Colts have been the Colts. But, no, uh, uh, I don't think. This would this changed my my pick anyways. I, I was gonna go with the Jets just for the simple fact that they're they're the hotter team. They're they're the they're the the most confident team going into this game. Obviously, we don't ex- we didn't expect much from Russell Wilson and this offense. And the Jets have been playing great football the past few they weeks. Have. So it it would have been uh, and then obviously the Broncos even dealing with more injuries and just dealing with more stuff. It, it, it's just adding to that yeah. list and. I just don't see the, the the Broncos being a dominant team into this game. I don't see him 
winning this game. I think the Jets are just a better team going into this game. Um, yeah. And then the final game of the slate that I want to talk about before we get to the Chiefs and 49ers is uh, the game that I think is going to be the biggest upset of the week. Chargers taking on the Seahawks in SoFi. So as it currently stands, the Chargers are five and a half point favorites. The over-under is 50.5, and I think that that is going to hit. I think that there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game because both both defenses really struggle against the pass game significantly mm-hmm. and the run game for the Chargers in particular. But the, the Seahawks defense has been atrocious this year. They're 29th in points allowed, 31st in yards allowed. But the offense for the Seahawks has been so good, and it's because of Geno Smith being the quarterback he's been right now. I, I'm not. I tell you guys, I don't get into the MVP candidate discussion until about at least halfway through the season. But he's leading the league in completion percentage this season. He has a nine to two quarter uh, touchdown to quarterback uh, uh, touchdown to interception ratio right now. Mm. He has been so good this season, even against decent defenses. While the Chargers, who we know has been an ultra aggressive offense on fourth downs, they go for it all the time. Yet they're only twentieth in the league in fourth down conversions at forty three percent, and they're twenty fourth. And red zone conversion at 48%. So the Chargers, even though they have the better quarterback in this matchup, and primarily, I think it's pretty even, but they, I would say they may probably have the better skill positions. I like uh, Lockett and DK Metcalf a lot. But with Rashad Penny being out, uh, I think that with Eckler on the other side, it gives the Chargers a little bit of an advantage here. But, I, guys, I, I really think that this is the matchup. Because let's be real, man. Even though the Chargers are 4-2 and two so far this season, Fraudulent. they've been very bad. Like they they should have lost they should have lost the Broncos several times lost last the week. Browns. I mean they should have lost the Browns exactly that was Fraudulent. all on Jacoby Brissett. Yes. It, 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 the Broncos muffing that punt at the end of the game. Right, uh, just the Chargers should be two and four right yeah, now. They really frauds. should be. They're, they're not right as good as they think they're. Guys, I actually think the Seahawks are just as good as the. Uh, Chargers going into this game. There's going to be no home field advantage for the Chargers in this one. Again, the Chargers defense has been so overrated, so overvalued, and they are still so banged up yep. as a nucleus. Guys, I am picking the Seahawks to win this game. I think the Seahawks are going to go in there. Geno Smith's going to have a really good game. I think the Seahawks defense, who actually has been playing better, they're not good, but they've been playing better over the last they couple of weeks. They had their best week last week against the Cardinals, but they, their offense wasn't very good last week. Their offense week. wasn't very good, exactly. And that's because of that divisional offsetting yeah. kind of thing. But I, I think the, the Seahawks are going to build upon that. They're going to play a bend don't break defense where they're going to make Justin Herbert have these 10 to 15 play drives. And with the with the Chargers being so inefficient in the red zone and not being good on fourth down this year, that's going to be the difference in this game. I don't think the Seahawks win by five and a half. I don't think they cover the five and a half, but I think they win this game by a field goal and they upset the shit out of a fraudulent like we just agreed upon a fraudulent Chargers team right and make and make everyone start to wonder. Is Geno Smith an MVP candidate? Are the Seahawks like a playoff team? They're three and three right now. They win this game, move to four and three in a division that's still very winnable. They might make the playoffs. As crazy as that sounds, I don't think they are yet. They're gonna have to prove a lot more than this. They're gonna have to beat like a Niners team or something like that, which they got whooped by. They're gonna have to do something like that. But that is the that's the motion I think the Seahawks are starting to put themselves into, guys. And I think they get this victory in an upset fashion against the Chargers. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, um, I'm picking the Chargers here just because of the the. I think Justin Herbert's just the X factor here. I'm just picking the. Best. I think this has is set up all all set up for a shootout. Um, you know, it's it's two out of division type of teams facing off. You know, NFC team versus AFC team. Um, those tend to you know the teams don't know each other that well. So it's a little more difficult when you know each other. It tends to be more of a closer game. Yeah, uh, this can be a, definitely be a shootout because both these defenses have been terrible. Um, I will say the Falcons have been, you know, I've allowed Seahawks huge, or the Seahawks yeah. have allowed huge 
amounts of points being scored against them, you know, from the likes of Andy Dalton and the likes of uh, uh, Marcus Mariota. So I expect Herbert to go out there, and especially if Keenan Allen plays, I am picking the Chargers here because I love the weapons offensively for the Chargers still a lot more than I do for the Seahawks. Uh, the, it's been inconsistent as far as who's getting who's going getting off against uh, with the Seahawks. Um, but I do like their new York young running back, um, uh, Kenneth Walker, I believe is his name. He looked really good last week against the Cardinals. If, that, if he can get, if he can start, you know, getting the run game going, that's definitely something that could change the pace of the game. If it's a slower pace game, I kind of. I like that a little bit more for the Seahawks' advantage because <clears throat> they're obviously the better coach team. So when it's more of a manageable game, I'm expecting the coaching to come into turn to uh, into factor there. So I would expect Pete Carroll <clears throat> to be in a better situation to win that game. But if it's a shootout, I expect Herbert to be the better gunslinger in this game uh, uh, with his weapons, especially if Keenan Allen's playing. That opens up opportunities for not only Mike Mike Williams, but uh, um, Austin Eckler in the passing game. So I, I can I can see this being a shootout. I, I think it'll be a fun game to watch. Uh, but I, I'm just I'm picking the better quarterback in this situation to put up more points uh, because that's been the way to beat the Seahawks when you know uh, points have been scored against. Them. That's how the Saints beat them. That's how the Falcons beat them. Um, you just straight about score them because they have no defense. So I expect Austin Eckler to eat. And if Keenan Allen plays, it's it, that helps me even more picking them. So I'm picking the Chargers. Won't uh, be surprised though if the Seahawks pull that one out. I will yeah, say that yeah. I won't be surprised. Keenan Keenan Allen is listed as questionable yeah. for Sunday, so he's missed four weeks. I mean, this is, or three and a half, yeah, three weeks now. He's got to be back tonight. I mean, he was limited. Well, uh, all practice, all Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. Friday. Well, limited, he hasn't played so. since week one, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, he has been four weeks. Yeah, well, because yeah, he didn't play the Chiefs game yeah. either, and he hasn't come back since, if I'm that's not mistaken. Okay, yeah, yeah, four weeks. So, yeah. yeah, he's that's a hamstring, man. Jesus. Same yeah, with McDuffie. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I think there's going to be a shootout between both teams. Uh, we've seen the Seahawks uh, put up points. Mm-hmm. Uh, Point battles with other teams. Obviously, the most, I think, the most known one is the the one against the Lions, where they just fucking went, they just went at each other yep. on that game. That, and I think that's gonna be a game that this we could see this weekend again, where they both teams just go at each other and score points and score points. I think both their uh, passing defenses are uh, they leave a lot to desire. Yeah, Jason uh, Jackson could be a lot better, uh, but yeah, I, I think this is just gonna be. Uh, uh, what's the uh, over under? Uh, fifteen and a half. Yeah, it's one of the highest. Of the week. It, yeah, I think it. Yeah. I, I'm I think it might be the highest. Yeah, I think, I think so. I, yeah. I think I'm picking the over on that one because I think both teams are just going to go yeah. out there and just, you know, do what they do. Uh, Justin Herbert, obviously, I think I'm with Trevor on that one. I think he's going to be the X factor in this game. I do think the Chargers will pull it at the end. Is it's, it not? Is it not concerning you guys, real quick though, about Justin? That last week he threw the ball over sixty times and had zero touchdowns. That's because that. Defense well, that's because he Broncos, knew Vegas once again. Well, that's because he went. Broncos is elite uh, once again. He was in the red he, zone, I think, four times though. That's he, the thing. He, that wanted, he, he doesn't allow shit. He went to give the betters uh, good money last week. And so. here's the interesting thing about this game, guys. Yeah, no, you guys do realize that the Chargers win this. Do you know for the first time in Justin Herbert's career he'll be above 500? Yeah. He's 19 and 19 right now in his career. <clears throat> if he win this game against the Seahawks, he'll be above nice. 500 for the first time ever. So yep. that's just an interesting little yeah, tidbit so there. I, so you're picking. Yeah, I'm, pick, I'm picking the Chargers. Okay. I, I think it's going to be a very close game, but I, but I think Lone Justin Falcon Herbert. Over here. <laughs> Justin Herbert will pull it out. You know? okay. so I hope they lose. Shit. I don't want them to win, but I, <laughs> yeah, think, I, don't, I think they have the better defensive players, too, to make the plays at the proper time. So, so let's get to the matchup of the week. Something that I have been very excited to talk about all week. Trevor and I, Eddie and I, we've had our discussions about this one all week long. Uh, we've kept it kind of close to the vest as far as how we see this game going. As much as I talked about the Chiefs and Bills going into last week's matchup and how that was one of those games I penciled in as a Chiefs W. 
Um, you know, I come, yeah, congratulations to Eddie. Seriously, man, you, you, you did call that one. Um, I will say this. This is one of the games originally going into the season. I was so big on the Niners before the season started. I still am in a different way, but I still am big because of how loaded their roster is, how much I really, really appreciate Kyle Shannon. I think he's a top five head coach in this league. Um, I was so big on Trey Lance being the difference maker this season because we all know at the end of the day, the 49ers are only going to go as far as Jimmy Garoppolo and who he is. They're a limited, they're so limited at quarterback that that is the ultimate detriment as to why they did not win a Super Bowl in 2019 against the Chiefs. Because let's be real, going into that matchup, they were the better team. The 49ers were the better team. They were number two, I think, in offense and number one in defense, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Outside, I think, the Patriots. They had the best overall defense in that in that season. They were the best team Easily. in football. That defense but was what was the difference? What, what, which quarterback made bigger plays? Okay, It's so weird that after three years, we're still in that exact same situation. Where going into this game, the 49ers are the better team. They're, even though the record doesn't show it, they have a better overall roster, top to bottom, than the Chiefs do. The only true difference, because I think Andy Reid is still the better coach between him and Kyle Shanahan, but it isn't like this massive gap. I don't know if they have the better roster. I think I think they have the better roster. They have the they have the, the just as good of an offensive line. They have a much better defense. <clears throat> yeah, the defense. Is the skill better. position players you can honestly say are better on 49ers side. You can make that. You can make that argument. I think Travis Kelsey's better than anybody on that. One hundred percent. But outside of that, if you were doing a draft right now, I but think Debo you, is obviously you take better Debo, than everybody else. Brandon Ayuk and Juju are right next to each other. I think yeah. Brandon Ayuk is putting himself in that category. I think, it's close, yeah. I think it's very close. I think the Niners right now have the edge as far as the team overall. <clears throat> and with the fact yeah. that we're now hearing the fact that Nick that Nick Bosa is back, Trent Williams is finally back and missing. I think the last three or four games, yeah. and then they have uh, Freddie Ward coming Ward. back as well, which is a huge that's, get for them the as one. well. Yeah. There are some factors to consider though for the Niners as well because they still are banged up even with those guys back Mm -hmm. so not only is Trey Lance obviously still out Eric Armstead's gonna miss this game their defensive tackle who's an absolute stud and the staple of the middle of their defense is out this game then you have also uh uh, Telenoga Hufanga is gonna probably miss this game he's questionable right now he's a madman he's an absolute madman just incredible talent and Charvarius Ward with the groin it sounded like Charvarius is not gonna give it a go in this game he's still questionable listen is questionable but people are assuming that he will not I'm I'm willing to bet he's gonna want to play I'm just saying that he's questionable right now with the groin injury so those are still three guys. So even though they got three guys back, there's still three names out. And again, Trey Lance, even though he hasn't shown a lot of greatness yet to this point of his career, he hasn't really gotten a chance to do that. And just a little sidebar, it's funny that when we hear people say, like, well, Jimmy Garoppolo was the better option going into this season at quarterback. It's funny, though, because it wasn't until Trey Lance got injured that Jimmy Garoppolo took the job. It would have been one thing if Jimmy had the job week one. That's fan chatter. That's not That's facts. what I'm a lot, a lot of people are saying that. Well, he's clearly the better option. Guys, Jimmy Garoppolo's not been good this season. He has not been good this season. I mean, they, they put up, what was it, uh, 10 points against the Broncos. Good. Uh, granted, a really good defense. But they should have had multiple scores in that game that he missed on open throws, missing wide open guys like Brandon Ayuk down the field. He doesn't take deep ball the threats. Safety. Trey Lance unlocks his offense, bro. People need to get off That's that. That's Jimmy, exactly Jimmy where I'm going trash. with. Now, let's look, at the, let's look at this matchup, though, in totality, okay? So the Niners have a 4-3 scheme defensively that's really effective. They play really well with the four guys on the defensive line, three linebackers. They're lo- absolutely loaded in the front seven. They're second in pass defense, second in rush defense, and second in sacks. Elite across yep. the board. Yep. That's even with Bosa missing multiple games. Yep. They run a damn near identical scheme as Todd Bowles and the Bucks do, and the Chiefs ran the ball 32 times versus Tampa Bay. 
The Chiefs only ran the ball 13 times versus the Bills, and it being such a close game all game long, that very much that made very little sense to me. I don't understand why the Chiefs didn't run the ball a lot. I do think the Chiefs get back into that, though. I do think the Chiefs are going to run the ball a lot because of the way the Niners present things, where they're going to try to keep the, the big downfield throws away for Patrick Mahomes, so they're going to try to make him have to beat them in the run game and short passes, intermediate passes, things of that nature. Um, and that's exactly what they did against him in the Super Bowl, which is why he had such a slow start to start the game where he had to score the ball, running the, ironically running the ball himself. And that first score I think the Chiefs had in that game was Patrick Mahomes running it in. Oh. And, and to, the, to the fact about the Niners and how good their defense has been, and again, I'm big on them. I still think they will get to the Super Bowl despite having Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback, mostly because the NFC is so inept, and they, I think they have the best roster in the NFC and probably in the NFL. Here are the quarterbacks that the 49ers have faced this year so far. Justin Fields, and they lost to him, by the way. Geno Smith, been a good quarterback. We've been talking about him, but let's be real. Russell Wilson, lost to that guy, by the way, who only put up nine points in that game. At one point, Jimmy Garoppolo scored more points for them than, than Russell Wilson so did. Terrible. Oh. Probably the worst game outside of the Colts-Broncos game Oof. this season. Matthew Stafford behind maybe the worst offensive line in football. In, in San Francisco, I might add. That was, they were still fully healthy in that game. Baker Mayfield, need I say more? Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, uh, Marcus Mariota. And Marcus Mariota ran all over them last week. So if you look at that stable of quarterbacks, it's not that impressive, if we're being honest. If we look at Justin Fields, who to this point, as Eddie was talking about last week, has been a bust. Geno Smith, who's been a, a backup quarterback his entire career, for most of his career, I should say. Russell Wilson, who is on a rapid decline of his career. He's not playing this week. I don't think it's because of injury. I think it's because the Broncos can't have him out there for another week right now. They're going to just let him just rest and just, you know, rest. Matthew Stafford, who I think is still a very good quarterback in this league, but that offensive line is atrocious, and he's not been able to really get into his reads and his progressions. Baker Mayfield, who's probably the worst starting quarterback outside of Russell Wilson in the league this year, can't even give them credit for that one. And obviously Marcus Mariota, who put up 28 points on this defense. To me, I think this Niners defense has really capitalized on playing bad quarterbacks or mediocre quarterbacks. That's not going to be the case this week. Because not only are they facing Patrick Mahomes, Mm -hmm. they're facing Patrick Mahomes after a home loss against a team they know they're going to be fighting for the one seed against. Now, again, going into this season, this was a team that I had beating the Chiefs. I had the Chiefs losing this game. But I also believe there's nuance to those matchups. If Trey Lance was playing in this game right now, I would stick with my pick because I think with that advantage, like you said, Trevor, he unlocks so much for this offense. Jimmy Garoppolo is so limited that unless the 49ers run game is going, their offense doesn't and even with that, they're still so limited offensively that you see even in their wins, they're not scoring points. Yeah. In their losses, they're scoring even fewer points because then they're getting shelled, and Jimmy Garoppolo can't answer back. You saw when he started to press against the Falcons, he threw two horrific picks in that game because he was pressing. He threw the ball like 42 times. The Falcons got them way out of their element because they would not let them run the ball. If the Chiefs have anything in their in their defense, anything worth Anything worth the run defense that we thought they had for the first three weeks of this season, three or four weeks of this season, it's got to be in this game. But here's the thing. Here's a stat that I want to post I want to pose to you guys about why I'm confident the Chiefs are going to pull out this victory in, the, in, this, in this week. So we know that the Niners have that run style, that run, that run zone scheme that they yep. love to run. They've been running that back all the way to Mike Shanahan's days with Denver. I believe that the 49ers are going to get a lot of, a lot of rushing yards in this game. Because they're that good, and I don't think the Chiefs' defense is as good as we thought originally this season. But I want to I want to show you guys this uh, this stat that I looked up yesterday, and I actually posted it on Twitter and on Facebook. 
So with Patrick Mahomes as the starting quarterback, the Chiefs are 35-14. and 14. In games, their defense allows 100 or more rushing yards. It's a 71 win percentage. When the other team is effectively controlling the tempo, momentum, and the time of possession, they still win 71% of the time. That, to me, that is absurd. That you can still win games like that, even though your defense is getting absolutely shelled on the on the defense. We just saw this two weeks ago. And by the way, the Chiefs are two and one this season when they've given up a hundred yards or more on the ground. Well, the that just game. speaks to the fact of Mahomes' record when trailing. Exactly, because most of those games, those teams typically take the lead when they run that well. And that's how I think this game is going to go. I think the Niners going in, coming into this game are going to run the ball very effectively, and they're going to run all over the Chiefs' defense. I think they're going to have 150 total yards, more 150 or more rushing yards in this game. But here is why the Chiefs are going to win this game. Because of the fact that you have a bend-don't-break defense that would have worked last last week against the Josh Allen-led Bills. It was working. It was working yeah. against an elite quarterback. Yep. Miami Dolphins did the same thing. And though. two, as I said from the very beginning of the show, two bad decisions from Spags, leaving yep. Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs on an island, or Josh, Josh Williams. Williams on an island against two all-pro wide receivers is what cost the Chiefs defensively that game. They could get away with that this week. Spags can send the dogs on every other every other snap, and they can get away with that because Jimmy Garoppolo is not the quarterback that can get that ball to Brandon Ayuk or a George Kittle mm. or a Debo Samuel 30, 40 yards downfield. That's not his game. So Spags can take that exact same game plan and blueprint, put it into this game, and it will work because Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the deciding factor for the uh, 49ers offense as to why they are not going to score enough points to beat Patrick Mahomes. Their defense is going to be really, really good. But again, with Tufanga and Traverius Ward potentially not playing in this game, with Eric Armstead out of this game, I think those are going to be differences for why the Chiefs can capitalize in the middle of the field and, and get Travis Kelsey on those third and shorts. But the Chiefs are going to have to run the ball a little bit in this game as well. They're going to have to open up the playbook a little bit and get those little... Because I love the play they did the misdirection. Mm. When they had that misdirection the ball go over the other side yeah. and they get the six, seven yards, that's got to happen in this game. Yeah. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a very solid game. I don't think he's going to have 400 yards and four touchdowns, but I can very much see a 280 to 300-yard game, two to three touchdowns. This is going to be a closer game for the majority of this game, but the difference in quarterback is going to be what changes the outcome of this game. And the fact that Spags again, can get away with some of the things you can't get away with against Josh Allen, you can get away with, with the, against the 23rd, 24th best quarterback in the league. I think the Chiefs won a very close or a very close game throughout, but pulled away and ended up winning this game by 10 points. Trevor, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Jimmy G's kryptonite is trailing. He likes to play with the lead. And typically, them being as good as a team that they've been over the years with him, he, they typically do because of that defense in their running game. They tend to control the pace of game, and they tend they they tend to have the lead. And they tend when they when the, when the trailing Jimmy G struggles because you cannot depend on any kind of heroics from Jimmy G to go out there and, and regain a lead. Uh, outside of some maybe some big ass Debo play or something like that, where he just like makes twelve guys miss and takes it to the house on a five yard slant or something like that. He's incredible at that. And he he frightens me quite frankly. Um, I don't know how much Christian McCaffrey plays in this game, but I do think that he is a factor at this point, especially in the red zone. He's such a deadly threat in the receiving game. Um, but I, I think I think this game really, really comes down to pace. And I don't, I'd rather the Chiefs actually not – I'd rather this not be a running game for the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs need to go out there and throw the ball all over the field, 
force those DBs who I don't really know outside of Ward, uh, who's more of a you know versatile linebacker out there, kind of playing like in the middle and floating around. He's incredible. Um, he's a, a great. I think he's going to defend Kelsey fairly well. Um, but I think this receivers really got to step up in this game. I think this is a game where Pat needs to go out there and just deal it. I don't. I don't want this game to be a slower pace game because that plays into the hand of the Niners because that's what they want to happen. I think we need to go out there and just open up the floodgates in the passing game and just yeah. mix things around. I want to see an Andy Reid playbook just open up, get MBS in a deep shot, open up this offense. Obviously, we need to run the game because I would like to set up some play action, make them respect the the, the running game at least somewhat. Um, but I just don't trust us to run the ball outside of that Bucks game. We just don't do that very often. Right. Um, so I expect us to really go out there and take the pace, and make this a fast-paced game because that op- that offense uh, and, uh, of the the Niners is not a fast-paced offense. They like to control the yep. clock, run the ball, run the ball, run it to the left, power out to the right, dink, dunk it off to uh, 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 um, Debo and see if he can make something out of that. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. That's what they do. They control the clock. And I love the idea of the bend don't break continuing because we are still going to be without some guys on this defense. I'm pretty sure Willie Gay plays here, but we are going to be without McDuffie. I don't. This is a game McDuffie I think can miss because I don't think we're going to be challenged over the top much between these receivers because I don't trust Jimmy G to make throws downfield. So I'm not too worried about him playing. Or granted, I would love to see him get out there and just get reps. Um, but if we can control the pace of this game, we can we can score points early, take a lead early, maybe be up like 10-0. I think that's that's hard enough for Jimmy G to come back from him. If I'm being honest. He's just not a guy that's equipped to come back from leads, um, and that way that's kind of take, that kind of takes the, the 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 momentum of the running game away from them. They can't run as much. They're going to need to throw the ball and put up points against us. I think if we let this game be a slower paced game, I think that's a problem. I want to see the Chiefs go out there and, and, and light this field on fire, um, and and you know get up early because we've been letting too many teams get up early on us, and I don't like that. And I don't want if they get up early on us, that's going to be with this game scary, because if it, they can get up on us 10-0, Granted, I know Patrick Mahomes has been great trailing, but we don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, and we don't have that game-breaking guy right now. We still kind of need to figure out those, these receivers and how they're in their trust with Pat. So I'd rather us get up early, take the pace of this game, do some you know more no-huddle, fast-paced offense, uh, and keep that defense guessing, keep them on their heels, rather than them get up early, continue to run the ball on us because we've, yeah. been, we've been getting just absolutely destroyed by the running game. Well, and this is a running team I don't want to allow them and, to and do And let me, let, me, let, me let me clarify why I think the Chiefs need to try to run the, game, the ball just a little bit in this one to mix it up. is because <clears> of the fact that you saw, again, the schemes are almost identical in how the Buccaneers play <clears> on the defensive side. And ironically, the Bucs ideally love to play offense the same way the Niners do, which they like to get the run game going. They like, but they, they have a quarterback that can make downfield throws. Exactly. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. They, they have an advantage because Tom Brady's a better quarterback than right. Jimmy G. What I'm saying though is is the Buccaneers even more so the emphasis should be even more in this game because of the fact that the Chiefs know that they get on an early lead they can afford to let the the Niners run the ball as much as they want to they didn't know that against the Bucks because they know Tom Brady can throw the ball mm-hmm. so what I'm saying is the Chiefs get on an early lead in this game you can run the ball control it a little bit and force Jimmy Garoppolo oh, yeah, to yeah, throw yeah. the ball down I'm field. talking about like opening the game yeah. we need to go out there I think Pat needs to go out there and deal the ball I like a, that get, get I like lead, that idea get a lead because the Chiefs always have a better chance when Pat's throwing the ball. Listen, listen, the only reason I really want the Chiefs to run the ball at a consistent level is to, is, is against other good offenses. That's yeah. why I really, really wanted to run the ball against Buffalo because that keeps Buff, that keeps Josh Allen on the sidelines. Yes. You want to control the pace in those kind of games, yeah. right? Controlling the pace in every game, but in a different way. I want to control the pace in this game at a fast pace. Slowing the pace down against the Buffalo Bills made way, made sense, and it yeah. almost worked out for us. We played them really, really well. We did the right game plan. We just happened to turn the ball over twice in costly points and missing field goals, so on and so forth. This game, I don't want to play down to the level of, of the Niners because that's how they beat you. Right. Right? That's how they won all their games. Outside of that Denver game, that there was a slow-paced game, but I, the Denver's defense is legit. Either way, make Jimmy G chase you. 
That's that's the, that's the goal in my, in my mind in going into this game. We run the ball and we run it successfully later after we have a ten plus point lead. Cool, but I want to, I want Pat just to go out there and be free and play loose. Get Kelsey involved. Get Juju going again. Get MVS on a deep shot or McCall on a deep shot. Challenge that defense downfield because I don't really believe in their corners yet. Truly, honestly, I, I know they're going to get pressure on Pat, but challenge them downfield. Make some big plays. Get some big plays going. Score early. If we if we win the toss, take the ball. Put up points. Um, and, and flip the pace because you know the Niners always want to play slower pace. So if we can win the pacing game of the, uh, in this game and put up points early, I think this game's a wrap. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be a tough game for the Chiefs, uh, especially coming back from a tough loss like that. But but we've known the Chiefs to come back. Both teams we, coming off tough losses. Yeah, but but at least uh, we know the Chiefs had the team and, and the ability to, to to make a statement the following game. We saw it against the Bucks after the Colts game. Yep. And – this this hurts just as I, I would say this hurts just as much as that Colts loss. Hundred percent. Because this is this was a, a a number one seed game if you, if you want to put it like that. So these guys are going to come out there and, and, and you know just play ball, do what they do, uh, and play at their best. And 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 obviously we've seen the Chiefs do that in the past. I just think that the 49ers have the team and the capabilities of being able to beat this team. Or uh, slow them down. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I'm not going to say dominate or anything like that. I think that, that the 49ers are a really good team. Uh, they just have a bad quarterback. Kind of like with the with the Super Bowl run. They had a solid team. It was that just a quarterback was holding them back. He terrible in that playoff yeah. run, yeah. Uh, so he, he was holding them back. Uh, you can even go back to last year. I think they could have had a, had they had a different quarterback. I think they they win in spite of Jimmy D, dude. Yes, yeah. 100%. <laughs> he just uh, makes plays here and there. Like but yeah, this is going to be a tough task for the Chiefs. Uh, this is a tough defense, but we'll see what the Chiefs do with tough defenses. It's like, it's like they love this shit. You know, like the adrenaline from a tough defense, like fucking makes them horny. I don't know. Because <laughs> look what they did to the Bucks defense. Exactly. They just ran all over them. Yep. They just they Patrick Holmes did what he pleased against the yep. Bucks, yep. and he got it done. I just don't know. I don't know what the, what it is about this team that. It it, um, it goes to the level of their opponents, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, and to your point, against the Bills just last week, Chiefs leave a touchdown on the board with the interception in the back of the end zone. They had the flags before that that left two touchdowns off of yeah. it. Travis Kelsey had a drop touchdown, and Harrison Butker missed a field goal. That's 30 points right there the Chiefs should have had. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, but I do think that the, the Chiefs are, are going to sneak uh, a, a win in here. Uh, I say sneak because it's going to be a, a, a tough game. I, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, kind of like what we saw last week against uh, against Buffalo. I think it's going to be in the mid-20s to low-20s. Uh, I mean, it's still a, a good-scoring game, but uh, obviously for, for a Chiefs team, it, it's something that we like to see in the 30s yeah. and above. You know what I mean? So I think this team, this this game has has the potential to be in the mid-20s to low-20s. Even even underneath the the twenties overall, like yeah. in the teens, uh, so it's just going to come down to to who can execute the plays better, right? Uh, who has the less turnovers? Who has the less mistakes? So this game is going to have to be something that the Chiefs are very very well prepared because, like I said, I, I we can sit here and say, well, the the Forty Nineers the, they have Jimmy G, yeah, but Jimmy G has somehow made it work with the Forty ers somehow to be good teams. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. The, the potential is there for the 49ers to beat the Chiefs. Would I be shocked if the 49ers beat the Chiefs? No, just for the simple fact that I, I know they have the potential to do it. 
Uh, so that's also a factor. The why I say about the Niners having such a great team, and why I think they're the best overall team in football, yeah. is they can win games despite, like they said, yes. the limitations exactly. of their quarterback. I don't think they're the best team in the NFC. I think the Eagles have the better roster. But oh, that's that's fair. That's you can make that argument. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, like I said, it's all going to come down to less mistakes, less less whatever. And I like less turnovers. So. I like that. And, and, and just, home, just, just to look a and little bit and, ahead. And 49ers are our home yeah, team. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and just to look a little bit ahead, uh, because I don't think the Chiefs are going to do that, but I'm going to do that. The Chiefs have the bye week coming up after this one. And after that, I mean, guys, <laughs> this is by far the Chiefs' toughest game remaining on their schedule. By far. I mean, because <laughs> after that, they have the Titans at home. Then they go. Then they have the back-to-back home games, Titans and then Jaguars. Then at L.A., which we know that the Chargers, that game is going to be loaded with Chiefs fans. Uh, the Chiefs are the better team. Then they go to the, the, they go back home to play the Rams, and the Rams are not a good team this season. They go to Cincinnati. Like Trevor said, they're a weird fucking team. We have no idea what they're going to be. Right. Uh, then they go to Denver. Denver's already a mess. They play at Houston. Yeah, uh, and then they play the Seattle the Seattle Seahawks at home in Kansas City on Christmas Eve. Then we have the Broncos coming back to Kansas City, and then go to Las Vegas. They, guys, they beat the Niners. The Chiefs can win every game remaining on their schedule. Yeah. Every single game, every single one of those games, the Chiefs are gonna be favored. Every single one. For sure, they, they could, but I, but I can see those those uh, one of those games be like I don't know going into the game like the Jaguars. The Jaguars are are playing uh, are playing good right now, and. and Yes, we Let's are preview be- that game now. No, we could beat the Jaguars, but they could also beat us. You know what I mean? I think, I think I- of the remaining schedule after after the Niners game. I think the Chiefs only face one to two at best teams that make the playoffs this year: Chargers and uh, and the and the uh, Bengals. Outside of that, I don't think the Rams are going to make the playoffs this year. I don't think the Jaguars are going to make the same playoffs this year. I don't think the Titans are going to make the playoffs this year. I don't think the Broncos or the Texans or the Seahawks the t- or the Raiders. And think about it. And think about it. If we, if we say the season hasn't started yet, we're looking at two of the teams that we might lose to. The Colts and the Bills are two of the teams we would probably. And play. I picked the Chiefs to lose the. So I mean, well, not the Bills. I think but I picked the Chiefs I think to lose the As we've gotten through this, this is the end of our hard. The hardest stretch of our our, our yeah, schedule. Yeah, this was the hardest stretch. Absolutely, we, 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 I think we humbly admitted that we those are two of the teams that we would possibly lose to this season. And we did, yeah. you know. what I mean, so I think we're actually sitting in a good spot with, like you say, coming out with the with the buy looming. If we go out there and take this game, we'll be riding high. I mean, this is this. If we go set the tone in this game, which we'll get there. My my, my prediction is in this game. If, I think the Chiefs are in a really great well, spot moving forward. In the rest three, of the three of the Chiefs' first six games were against teams with winning records, right. and two of those six, uh, two of the other six, are teams with five hundred records. Great. So I will they, say they I played some tough some, teams. Some, depending how the defense of the Broncos looks later yeah. on the year, that is a that is a challenging defense. Um, so yeah, that's the only thing I'll say about those those matchups later in the well, year. But. When it comes to this game situation, because I I think you guys are both right about this game and how the, like I, I like the air raid approach. I do like. I still want to see a little bit of a mix with with the running game just to keep them I on their Pat's toes because the Niners defense it. is so good. But I agree. I would love that if, if Patrick Williams has like 410 yards and four touchdowns. God save me. You know I'm, I'm excited about that. Eddie, I, I agree with you. I think match, this is going to come down to situational football, which is where I'm going to segue because I think this game is won and lost in the red zone this week. Mm-hmm. I think th- you guys are going to love this. So I've been ready to talk about this for about three days now because I think this is how the Chiefs are going to win this game. And it's going to be two unlikely heroes that win this game for the Chiefs on the offense. Guys, I think I think the red zone is going to be the Chiefs are going to get right back into business in the red zone. How they've been so efficient offensively in the red zone, they were not last week against the Bills. And what do you know? They win or they lose rather. I think the Chiefs have two plays drawn up for two guys that again do not get a lot of recognition that score touchdowns in this one in the red zone. I think Michael Burton 
on a fourth and goal play is going to get a touchdown in this one. And they try to get and him I on think a pass Jody Fortson gets back in the touchdown column. Michael Burton and Jody Fortson are scoring touchdowns Even in this Noah game. Gray, Mark see? the tape because this is the kind of game. Eddie, you're right, hundred percent correct. They get like they get like aroused when they're facing a tough defense because you know what they get to draw up plays like that. Andy everyone's Reed. assuming it's gonna be pe- Andy tra- is like, yeah. Everyone's man. assuming it's gonna be Travis Kelsey that's getting all the touchdowns right or all the targets, and he still will have a game. Let's be honest, he'll, he'll probably have seven catches for eighty-seven yards and maybe a touchdown. But this is when the Chiefs are within like seven, eight yards of the red, the end zone. You see those weird-ass fucking plays. Sometimes they get a little too cute, and I hate it. Mm. But every once in a while, you'll see a Jody Fortson 50-50 ball in the corner of the end zone against a you know, 5'11 corner, and he's 6'6". He's getting it all day I long. It every week. Michael Burton, we see once every four or five games, Michael Burton, he's due. He hasn't yeah. done anything in three weeks now. This is a game. I think Michael Burton gets a touchdown on the goal line, like a fourth and goal, where you know, you, you know, usually you'll get like a Blake Bell or, or Noah Gray, where they you know are in motion, they line up as the quarterback and dive it in. Michael Burton's gonna have a play like this and the goal on fourth and goal, get a touchdown, and I think Jody Fortson gets a touchdown as well. My two guys, it's gonna be red zone efficiency because I think the Chiefs defense again, not to repeat myself, but I'm gonna repeat myself, are gonna play a bend don't break. They're gonna allow the Niners to run the ball. They may even not not allow them. Just the Niners are that good at running the ball. I think they're gonna run the ball well. And then when within 20 yards of the end zone, you're going to see the Chiefs clamp down and blitz the shit out of uh, Jimmy G and force him to make mistakes. I think Jimmy G throws a pick in this game. Chiefs get the ball, uh, an extra possession because of a mistake he makes. I can see a strip sack again if they don't call a fucking rough in the passer on Chris Jones, which I think is going to have a good game this game. And I think the Chiefs are the ones that, that come out on top because of red zone efficiency and the difference on third downs and extending drives. That's what Chiefs are going to do because of Patrick Mahomes. The difference between Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo once again again is going to be the difference just like it was in Super Bowl 54. In fact, I will go as far as to say, guys, I think there's a chance because I don't know if you knew this. The Chiefs have faced uh, uh, the, the 49ers twice with Patrick Holmes and Andy Reid and, and, and at the helm. Both games, the Chiefs won by 11 points. I think they do it again. I think the Chiefs, because it's going to be close throughout, but the Chiefs pull away at the end and I think the Chiefs win by 11 points in this game. Trevor, who are, I'll say my two key players, again, they're going to be Jody Fortson and they're going to be Michael Burton, both offensively. I don't like to do that, but I, I usually like to give one on the others, on both sides. I think it's going to be two unsung heroes that do it. Trevor, who are your two? Um, let me just say this before I give my two players. I think... I think I think what happens is what I what I put out there. How I think this game goes. I think the Chiefs go out there and light it up early. Um, I, I think I think we're I think we're pissed about losing that game against the Bills. I don't think we wanted to lose that game. Um, and I think we are pissed about how we played. I think Patrick Mahomes is extremely pissed about how he played, and I think he really really wants to <laughs> make up for that. Um, he's a, he's a competitive guy, so I think he's going to want to go out there and kind of right that ship and show what he's capable of again. Um, I don't care about defenses, man. I know I respect this this Niners defense, but I don't think this offense cares. I don't think that we've shown that. And I know we struggled against the um, the Bills defense a little bit, but that we, we were kind of shooting ourselves in our own foot. And I think um, execution was the biggest problem there offensively. And I think we all can admit that. We all know we're capable of putting forty every single week. Yep. And it's just execution is what comes down to it. And and obviously protecting protecting Pat has been a problem um, at times this season as well. And that's a problem heading into this matchup because they're very good at getting after the quarterback, but they have not played an offense like the Chiefs yet this year. They haven't. They played a lot of shitty offenses. They played, like you said, Baker and Russ and these guys. No, they have had no. They have not been challenged by an elite offensive yet. Here we are. So I, I, I like, I like this matchup here. I actually like the the, the Chiefs' offense here. I think we're going to score four touchdowns to four different people. I think Pat's going to go out there and light it up in this game. I really do. I think um, the the Burton actually might happen. He might be one of the four people that I think that score. But I think Pat at least throws three touchdowns in this game to three different people. 
Like it. I love Jody Fortson in this game. I think that's one of the guys that gets one. Um, I, I I don't know why we don't do it every week. Just throw a ball off him every week. He's just, six just, foot six. If it's a first and goal, second and goal, just give him a chance. <laughs> that's I don't what understand. Every week, just throw him that back pylon. Throw the back pylon. Throw yeah. Throw it as high as possible. Yes. He's gonna get up there and get it, dude. And I mean, so you can't really overthrow that guy. Just give him a jump ball. Um, but yeah, I love. I think I think we go out there and we take control of the pace of this game and we force him to play down up to our level. And if Jimmy G is chasing points. They are going to lose. Yes. He loses every time he's chasing. You do not see rarely. I can't even think of a moment where Jimmy G was like out there just trailing by 10 plus 20 points. And he out there and just goes and plays hero ball and wins. It just doesn't happen. They're not built that way. They are built to play with the lead. That's why it's a great running team because they tend to lean on leads and run the ball really, really well. Granted, they have a great O-line. Trent Williams is back. I get all that. But if they're chasing Patrick Mahomes in this Chiefs offense and Andy Reid is in his bag, good luck. Good luck. So Chiefs win big. I have Chiefs winning north of 30. Um, and Wait, I, winning by 30? No. Winning, oh, winning. I that's why I was like, whoa. No, I like I it. I have them scoring north of 30, obviously, <laughs> with, with four touchdown scores. I have them scoring okay. north of 30 points. Okay. Um, and I, I, will, I, whoa, I, do think, I do think it'll be another one of those Tampa Bay situations where they're kind of getting points at the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we're kind of like, you know, leaning back a little bit yeah, yeah. and just resting on that lead. But I think we come out firing. I think Pat Balls. I like it. I like it. Eddie. All right, my key players in this. I got two oh, players. I didn't get my key players. I'll give them after you. Oh, no, right. you go ahead. Go ahead. Patrick um, Mahomes. No. Well, I, shit, the way, the way perpetuated he, that, yeah. I would say yes. Well, yeah. I, I think Patrick Mahomes is, is, is a given every week. But um, <laughs> I'll say this. I'll say I'll just say the tight ends. I think the tight ends are going to have a good week I like that. offensively. I like I like Noah Gray. He can possibly get one. Yeah, I like our okay. tight end group because that's how we dominated the 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 Bucks. All three of our tight ends scored that week, I yes. believe. So yep. I think it's a similar, you know, going against. A, I think we're going to see two, three tight end sets. Um, and I think I think MVS has a big play downfield at this game. I think he's due. Uh, and I don't believe in their corners, honestly, to cover deep. Um, just give Pat time. I think he makes a couple deep plays here. But yeah, I like the tight ends offensively to score here, um, and defensively. It's got to. I mean, this has got to be a Bolton game, right? He's got to go out there because he's our guy. That's our run stuffer, and then this is what. What do the What do they do? They They run the ball really well. So I think I think Nick Bolton's going to have to really get up for this game. Our linebackers in general have to get up for this game uh, and coverage uh, uh, and 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 stuffing the run. So if we can get in there and stuff the run, I think Nick Bolton's going to be the leader uh, of that group. So I'm going Nick Bolton and then our tight end group. Like it. All right, from for 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 my key players for this game. Uh, I'm going to go on the offensive side. I'm going to go Juju. Why am I going to go Juju on this one? I went MVS last week because that, I think that game had MVS written all over it. Uh, he did get almost 100 yards or I think over 100 yards, right? He had over uh, Juju? No, uh, MVS. When? Last week. Oh, no, he didn't have it. it didn't, he didn't catch last was, week. That was yeah, the week before. He was, the week before. Yeah, yeah week he had, before. He, yeah. He, he, yeah. Was, he, was good. he had a really uh, good game week but, before. Oh, yeah, because last week I had uh, last week was Juju Josh. Game. Yeah, yeah, I had the Bills winning. But. The last time uh, uh, I picked MVS because he was due for one. And, and I think Juju and Patrick Mahomes have started building that chemistry. We saw it against the Bills, uh, how they started clicking a lot out. more. Uh, we saw those uh, those quick passes and then Juju taking taking a little bit more extra yards, you know, getting those extra yards. I think Patrick Mahomes is starting to earn his trust. I think at first it took a little bit uh, to, to get to know each other. Um, I, I think MVS and Patrick Mahomes got the connection before Juju and Patrick Mahomes got the connection. But finally, last week, we started seeing what that connection can do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I think Juju's going to have a game this this week, too. I like that. Because uh, I, I think he's due for a big game. Uh, and, and I think, like I said, with Patrick Mahomes finally earning his trust, being able to look his way, uh, making those passes and him catching that, catching those 
uh, critical first downs or whatever he's doing. Uh, I think I think uh, this this is Juju's game right here. Uh, defensive side, I'm gonna give it to to Chris Jones on this one. I mean, you can't not just you cannot give it to Chris Jones. You know, I think this has Chris Jones written all over it. Uh, he has to have a great offensive uh, offensive line. But I think with the way Jimmy Garoppolo holds on to the ball, he's not as mobile as uh, many of his quarterbacks. We've seen what Chris Jones did to uh, Derek Carr, who stayed in the pocket a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Tom Brady, what uh, uh, Chris Jones was able to do, I think he's going to be able to do the same. It doesn't matter what the offensive line throws at him. I think he's going to do the same with, with Jimmy G, just for the simple fact that he likes to hold on to the ball a little bit longer, doesn't leave the pocket. So I think Chris Jones is going to have a great game in this one. I like it. So my score, I think right now as it currently stands, I actually am going to side with Trevor. I think the ending score is going to look a lot further apart than actually the game. I think the game is going to be close for the first two to three quarters, and I think the Chiefs pull away. I'm taking the over on this game. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah I, I actually am too. I think it's 49 right now, if I'm not mistaken, 49.5, something like that. that. I'm actually going to have the Chiefs. I think, my, I think my score as it currently stands, I'm going to have the exact same score that they won by in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54, 31-20. to I agree with Trevor. I think, like I said, the game's going to be close, and it's going to be a lower-scoring game. But in that fourth quarter, the Chiefs are going to change some things because, like I talked about earlier in the show, the Chiefs have only scored one fourth-down touchdown this season. I think, I think the Chiefs scored two in this one. I think they scored 14 points in the second quarter and ended up pull, or the th- fourth quarter pull away because uh, I don't think the Niners are going to score much in the fourth quarter. I think the Chiefs are going to play well throughout the game. You, you, I, I like your idea, though, Trevor, that, that they start scoring like yeah, I have it as the opposite late the points Bowl. where it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be close. Where I don't it's think like, trail once. I like that. I like that. But I, I think it's going to be 31 to 20. I think the Niners, like I said, they score their majority of their points in the first two to three quarters. And then they get, they get shut down because I think the Spags is going to dial up some stuff. And I'm going to give him I just, some credit I think here. we come out with a great opening script. I like it. We put points on the board. Yeah. So you, what, what's your score? I want to say 35, but I don't think we're going to put up that much. Um, I'll say 33 to, to 21. Okay. And I'm doing 26-24 cheese on that one. 26-24. I, I, think, it's gonna, I think it's the same as Nick Wright. I, I, yeah. uh, I think it's going to come down to a last-minute field goal. I, I feel like this game is going to be a battle. Uh, it's going to be, uh, like I said, it's going to come down to less mistakes and all that stuff. And, and I think the cheese will pull away at the end of the game. Uh, so, yeah, 26-24. I like it. Well, we have one more order of business to get to, guys. What's it called? Hold this L. L. Each and every week, we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports. When those L's are unfriendly or friendly, we like to give some friendly out there. Regardless, though, we, we whoever is holding those L's in the world of sports deserve those L's in the world of sports. I'm going to throw it right back to my guy, Eddie Ortiz. Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, who's holding the L for you this weekend? Is it F1? That's not F1, but if you want to tune into F1 this weekend, uh, 2 o'clock is free practice 3 at, uh, I believe... Uh, five o'clock it would be uh, qualies so if you want to go and check it out today uh, tomorrow's uh, race time at two o'clock it's actually uh, at coda austin texas circuit of the americas uh, so fun track has a little mixture of a lot of uh, it's a combination of many tracks around the uh, f1 world uh, around the calendar year whatever uh, so yeah it's a fun it's a fun race to watch uh, U.S. always, you know, they know how to party, how to throw a party. So it's going to be a great, great, great time. So if you want to tune into that. But now going to my L. I'm going to give it to uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, one of the greats to ever play the game. Uh, and, and I think that's gotten to his head a little bit, uh, especially now going towards the end of his career. We, we're, we're starting to see kind of like that Russell Wilson effect where uh, – 
it, it it's a it's a rapid decline. It, it, that that's what I mean by Russell Wilson. I'm not trying to compare careers because yeah. no, no, but like with the decline, they went from being good at what they do to rapidly decline. And I think that's what has happened to Ronaldo. Uh, just this past weekend, uh, they were up two zero. Uh, towards the end of the game, he refused to come in as a sub. He told the coach, "No, I'm not going to come in as a sub." Uh, and then few minutes before the final whistle he just decided to walk by himself uh into the locker room and just call it a day uh, he was punished by uh by manchester united uh and 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 uh and the head coach uh by not being uh, called up to 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 face chelsea today which is actually happening right now game's about to end uh but yeah he didn't get called up uh because i don't know what what happened i, I don't know what's happening with ronaldo his his game has declined drastically. In uh, him challenging his coach to not come in as a sub, it, it's kind of disrespectful to the coach, to the team, and to his teammates. You know, especially those who come in as a sub, who are fighting for a spot, you know, uh, who are fighting for the last, uh, being the last sub into the game, you know, and for, for Chanel now to, to disrespect an entire organization like that. It's, bad look. It, it's just, it's, it's a bad look. Uh yeah. He did come out and apologize or whatever, but we all saw it. You can't really defend none of that. You can't really say it's like, oh, you know, the heat of the moment. No, it, it's just arrogance. Yeah. It, I don't know if you being uh, at the top of the world and now drastically no longer at the top of the world. I don't know if it took a toll on you. I don't know what happened, but you can't do that. And even if you're the greatest in the world, even if you're one of the greatest to ever do it, I get it. You you deserve that respect. You earned it, but at the same time, you gotta give that respect. For sure. And, and I think he he failed at that. And I think a lot of kids that look up to him might have might have seen a, a different message. You know, he and, and it's a message you don't want to send, especially being that kind of I uh, uh, I, I icon. Global, yeah, yeah global icon, icon. Yeah. global yeah. icon, uh, a hero to many uh, yeah. adults, children, uh, so and so on, man. I just think it's not 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 the place to do it. Um, yes, heat of the moment. It is what it is. Uh, you are one of the greatest to ever do it. You can take one in the chin. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for that reason, Krishna, you have to do me a favor and uh, hold, hold this, this L. L. Trevor Twidwell, who's holding the L for you this week. All right, before I give my L, I just kind of want to give pay my respects. To, I'm a big I'm a big NBA guy. I'm a big basketball hoops fan in general. Um, and there is a household name amongst referees. Yeah. Um, that has been around, has refereed numerous finals, over 1,100 games. Um, Tony Brown passed away this past week, and um, it was rough, man. That's that's a guy I've watched referee for so many games. Love him or hate him, he's, he's been, he's coached, he's refed, um, he's officiated some big-time games and, and finals, and, and just just a, a guy, a familiar face that's always around. Uh, he's only 55 years old, died of pancreatic cancer within a year. He got it in a year and was was gone that quickly. It's just... Um, Sad. I just wanted to give him his pay his respects for, you know, I know he, he was getting love. I was watching the Warriors game um, last night, and uh, Draymond was talking to the other head official that was with him for years. Yeah. And there was, it was just a, a mic'd up thing. It was a cool moment talking about it, you know, just treat everybody right. You never know where you're going to go, and, you know, you never get a treat, you know, respect everybody and, and, and spend your time correctly here while you're here because you never know when it's going gonna, it's gonna to yeah. be it. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to give him and his my condolences to his friends and his family. Uh, the guy was a, you know, he was he was 
uh, over 20 years in the NBA. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, I just wanted to pay my respects to him real quick and just shout that out um, as, a, as a big NBA fan of myself. Um, I'm gonna keep it in the NBA though, as far as my L goes. <clears throat> I'm just, I don't I'm not a fan also of kicking people when they're down, uh, but this um, Russell Westbrook situation is continues to get worse. Not only on the basketball court, um, but off the court as well. I mean, after the Lakers, Lakers haven't looked too bad in my opinion. I know a lot of people are shitting on them uh, as if they're like a terrible team. They haven't been that bad. They're just lacking some shooting prowess. That's the only thing they're really lacking. And Russ, is, as far as productivity on the court, has been getting in the way as far as like his. You know, uh, value over replacement player rating and and uh, his efficiency rating and uh, when he's on the court, they're over under when he's on the court. It's just or the plus minus when he's on the court and off the court. It's just it's bad. He's been a decent defender, but he was. Let me let me pull up his stats real quick. He was so. Let's see. Last the last game the other night against the Clippers, he had two points, zero for eleven, <clears throat> and was zero for six from three point range. Um, why he shot six threes, I don't know. Um, but my my L is 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 headlined by the altercation he had with the fan as he was walking out of the tunnel. Yeah, I saw <clears> it this morning. Listen, man. Outside of maybe some like racial things that are saying that are extremely out of pocket that has happened to him before in the past. If 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 a fan is screaming, "You fucking suck!" at the end of the game, you must have fucking sucked. I'm just being honest with well, you. Well, you kind of fucking did. Yeah, and that's my <laughs> and that's my point. That's my point here. He's been terrible. Right, and Laker fans are passionate. Laker fans are known for winning, and they expect better as yeah. they should. Um, that's why they have the most championships in league history. Especially when you have a guy that's making forty-seven million dollars. Exactly, this year. I would be pissed too. And I think fans have every right to tell someone they suck if they feel that way. We've been there as Chiefs fans, right? We've we've boycotted Chiefs games. We've we've had save our Chiefs moments where we were absolutely mm-hmm. just atrocious times where we boot our own team. It's not a good feeling. And I think Russ should feel every bit of the, that fan's frustration. <clears throat> As he's walking out of the tunnel, the, the fan screams at, this is where it's getting bad. Like, Russ should just walked away and just took that L like a man. Instead, he turns to the fan and, get, and causes a beef and says, hey, come down and say that to my face. The fan comes down there and says it to his face. And Russ just eventually just walks away. It's a bad look for him, man. Personally, as a player, everything. I, 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 if the Lakers don't move on from him at some point in the season – they will. That's self-sabotage. They will. You are self-sabotage. I and mean, they should have done this past offseason. I don't know what they're waiting on. Granted, I know a lot of people are not, The sweepstakes for Russ are not great right now, and not everyone's chomping the bit to get him on the roster with that contract and his play. But it's more than just his play right now. Instances like that, it's just not only immature, it just shows you where he's at mentally. You're not going to see LeBron do that. You're not going to see LeBron or or or... Yeah, uh, you know, like Giannis and guys like that, or Steph Curry come down and say, hey, would you come say that to my face? Right. And that just shows you that he's hurting. right? That shows that he's not impressed with himself on the court. He's not happy with himself. He's probably not happy with the situation he's in right now because the Lakers were actively trying to deal him, so that's not a good feeling either. But you have no one to blame but yourself. And this blew up from day one. This was you never no good. You have no one to blame yourself. You've been bad. As if you, This is your job to be a, a, a top-tier NBA player, which he's been for the majority of his career. He's going to make the Hall of Fame. Of course. Like, without question. Of course. A, a walking triple-double in most of his career. I have all the respect for Russ, but this is a bad look. It's the, the, his trajectory, is, his career is ending, has been not fun to watch. It's been really rough to watch the decline of Russ, Russell Westbrook. But that interaction with the fan, you getting that triggered over someone saying you suck, bro, like, really? It's, 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 just, it, it's, it's a terrible look for him and his personal brand and his game. It's all, it's all been it's all bad right now. So for that, hate like I said, hate to kick a player when they're down, hate to kick a person when they're down, but it's 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 there right now. It's rock bottom for him right now. And for that, Russell Westbrook, do me a solid favor and hold, hold this L. L. 
Mine is uh, going to go to a guy that uh, has been called the baby goat by Kevin Wilds. Uh, people thought that he was going to be the second coming of Tom Brady because he's also a white limited quarterback that you know wins games based upon the backs of his co- his coaching and his defense. Mac Jones, uh, because of the fact that starting off the season there was decent amount of expectation coming from Mac Jones from his rookie season to his sophomore year. Uh, I was never big on the Patriots this year. I've never been big on Mac Jones, even back in his college days. I never believed that he was going to be an NFL quarterback, a starting NFL quarterback, maybe a backup, but not a, not a starting NFL quarterback. And going into the season, he's done nothing but prove my point. Uh, the Patriots were 1-2 and two in his three starts. He did complete 66% of his passes, but he had a 2-5 to five pa- uh, passing touchdown to interception ratio and a quarterback rating of 76 and I hate to sound heartless and callous, but I think his high ankle injury was the greatest thing that could have happened to the Patriots this year. And it's just the truth. You know why? Because it isn't that you're just getting Mac Jones off the field. You're getting a guy by the name of Bailey Zappi on the field. Zappi And Bailey Zappi has been a significant upgrade so far this season. The, the Patriots haven't lost yet. They're 2-0 with them. And it's not because they're just making it out alive. He is completing 73% of his passes, four touchdowns to one interception with a 111 quarterback rating. Now, I'm not saying Bailey Zappi is the second coming of anybody. More than likely, these numbers are going to drop because that's just the law of averages here. And he's not, he was he was really good in college, but he was also a spread offense co- uh, quarterback as well. Those guys usually don't flourish in the, in the NFL. But guys... The Patriots would be morons, and they're not. They're a very smart franchise. They would be morons if they went back to Mac Jones because they are getting a substantial amount of a higher upgrade production from their quarterback position since Mac Jones went down with his injury. And the reason why I'm confident that they're not going to go back to Mac Jones this season, at least for the foreseeable future, unless Bailey Zappi starts to shit his pants down the stretch, is the fact that Bill Belichick, although has never been a guy that gives away a lot in the press, honestly nothing uh, with the press conferences, but... It's sometimes what he doesn't say that that says everything. And multiple times now, he's had an opportunity to say, Mac Jones is our starting quarterback when he's healthy. And he's not done that. That, to me, tells me that Bill Belichick knows that he has his better quarterback starting right now. Now, again, Bailey Zappi may end up coming coming down to earth and playing really bad, and they're like, all right, we got to go back to Mac Jones, like yeah. they did with Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott's whole thing. Because I actually think Dak Prescott would have been healthy last week. They gave Cooper Rush one more opportunity, shit his pants against the Eagles. you got to go back to Dak. That's the situation they have here. But nevertheless, Mac Jones deserves everything this week for what's going on because, again, he's played bad. His backup's playing better. I think he's just lost his job as a first-round quarterback, first-round pick just last year. So for that, my guy, Mac Jones, going to have to do me a solid end. Hold this L. Yeah, it's a definite quarterback controversy over there for sure. So it doesn't look like McDuffie's going to play this week. I don't like that. I wish that the Chiefs would. I, here's the thing. If, if if McDuffie's not healthy enough, I understand why the Chiefs are doing this. But I feel like this is one of those things the Chiefs are just being overly cautious. And I don't like that at all for a couple of reasons. Because of the fact that McDuffie, if he's healthy enough, he needs to play this week because he's got the bye week, which means extended rest for him anyway. And you're going down a stretch of AFC opponents down for the six of their next eight games are AFC opponents. I would like to see the Chiefs play McDuffie if he is healthy. If he's not, I get it. But if he isn't, 
If he is healthy, this doesn't make any sense to me. Nevertheless, I'm very confident with Willie Gay's addition back into the equation. The Chiefs playing a motivated style of football, knowing they have one week off next week. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna want to go into a bye week down four to three. Uh, you know, really struggling down the stretch, trying to have to make up against AFC opponents down the stretch, not putting any more pressure on them than they need to. Going up against a limited quarterback in Jimmy G, I think the Chiefs are gonna get this victory. They need to get this victory. Go five and two going into the bye week and getting healthier down the stretch for the second half of the po- of the regular season. Feel really good about this one. If you guys have any thoughts, any opinions, any viewpoints on this, hit us up on our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our channel if you would and let us know what your guys' thoughts are. But we are a 24-hour operation here. We're on Facebook. We are on Twitter. And we talk all the time. Sports-related. Not just Chiefs. We talk everything. And uh, we would appreciate if you guys joined us with, the, with that effort. So and for that, though, we're going to leave it right there because I think we've covered more than enough on this show. Uh, so for a- for Trevor Twoodwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for the great Clay Wendler that puts all this together on the back end is our producer. I am Lance Twoodwell. Episode 189 of the Spoken Podcast is done, finished, and finito. And we are here for one episode for episode 190 in one week's time to talk about a potential five and two win loss record for the Chiefs going into the bye week. We out of this bitch. Bye. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the Spoken. I might actually stick, I might actually stick around for a little bit.